Oh, it's so painful. You ever do something and then something happens and you have to do it all over again and you're like just deep in that like just good quality something that you're doing and then boom, interrupted. That's what just happened to me because a siren went by the studio and it was really loud and, uh, you know, I hope everybody's okay, obviously. But today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Shady Lion Coffee. Uh, it's really good coffee. It's super sweet. It's, you can, I mean, a lot of people like to add stuff to their coffee. You can, but you don't have to because this stuff is really good. But if you're a black coffee drinker, you should definitely be checking out Shady Lion Coffee. It's a sweet lily Ethiopian. Um, we should actually just say Shady Lion Ethiopian because word on the street is there might be some Brazilian Shady Lion. There might be some Colombian, some maybe some flavored coffee coming out. But you should definitely check out the Shady Lion Ethiopian Sweet Lily. It's uh, on, not on sale, but it is for sale uh, at ShadyLion.com. That's S-H-A-D-Y-L-I-O-N. S-H-A-D-Y, shady, like when you go to the park and it's hot outside and there's that big, beautiful tree and then you're hiding under the shade just to take a little break from the heat. That's shade, so it's the shady part under the tree. Shady lion, like lion, rar. In fact, there was that movie that just came out uh, this recent summer called The Beast. If you want to see some lions on the big screen, that was crazy. So shadylion.com. Uh, Pick yourself up some amazing coffee. In fact, you can subscribe and save a little bit too. You know, we we roast this stuff when you order it, so it's not sitting around in a warehouse somewhere going, man, I hope someone buys some coffee. We got these fresh green beans, and then when you order it, we're going to roast your batch like that day or the next day, depending on when the order comes in, and it's going to get shipped out fresh, like peak coffee freshness. Nothing's been sitting in a store or a warehouse for two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight months. This is fresh, good, premium, top 1% of coffee beans on the planet coffee. So get you some of that Shady Lion at ShadyLion.com. Hey, today's episode is really amazing. Uh, with these two guests, it's Sam Turpin and Leonard Oshiro. Oshiro, oh man, Leonard, did I mess up your name? You can... You can correct me. It's O-S-H-I-R-O. So super amazing guys. They swung by the studio and we just had a blast talking about all kinds of things. They are, uh, well, they're fighters uh, for sure. They they wear many hats in world like uh, most of us do, uh, you know, with things that they do in life, but they train over at 10th Planet San Diego on Mission Gorge uh, with Manolo, who's been on the podcast before, and a, a whole group and host of other incredible people out of that 10th Planet San Diego crew. They train with Boogie, uh, Richie Martinez in the jiu-jitsu world. So um, just two super cool guys uh, with a lot of just life experience and just doing it right. Like They're just really fun, awesome, good people. And we talk about all kinds of things like the food supply, in the U.S., we talk about uh, you know moving around a bit and and how you get different experiences and you know football in the South. All, I mean, the podcast goes 
all over in the different things. So I hope you really enjoy it. And here we go. See, this is the real secret of life, to be completely engaged with the here and now. Everybody wants to fulfill the highest, truest expression of yourself. It, it, it was all a dream. Today is about the power of you. You've now entered the Human Derek Podcast. Yo, Cone, like, it, like the way the... You don't want to be like over here. Oh, you actually, okay. you, you, you want to be like, hello, see like really up in the, yeah, you just grab it and put it right up to the, okay. hello. Okay. Oh, that's why you want to tilt it up so that, because yeah, your mouth you is kind of tilted. Yeah, down. whichever way you're going to sit, some people are like, oh yeah, no, no, this, this way is wrong. I'm going like that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, everybody has their own personal style they've been used to, so <laughs> you got to do what works for you. <laughs> um, sweet. Okay, I think we're you got it. Let's, yeah. let's see what you let's see how you register. How do I register? Excellent, Leonard. How do I register? <laughs> <laughs> like to vote. <laughs> All right, we're good. Cool. Yes. We've got enough. We've got. An, are you guys good on the temperature? Yeah, yeah. Because I, right I don't want to be hogging the uh, the world's largest cooling fan. So is that an air purifier in a fan? It, yeah, it is. I think it's fucking sick. Is that Dyson? It might be. It is nice. Yeah, I think I've seen something like that. Those things are really cool. I'm thinking about an air purifier at some point. I feel like I breathe too much not great air. Uh, yeah, that happens here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm from a place where air is very nice. So it's very, uh, it's weird to like breathe shit air most of the year, you know? Yeah. Where, and where are you from? Uh, Woodby Island, Washington. Woodby Island? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. You I, know, you know of Woodby Island? I used to live up in, uh, I lived in Everett. Get the fuck out of here. I lived in, uh, Oak Harbor. What? And yeah. Your Navy? It, no, I just, uh, like a nomad. How the fuck do you end up in Oak Harbor then? Uh, I, I mean, that's a. I lived in a domestic abuse shelter, so there you oh, go. Wow. A little bit different than the okay. Navy, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know they had one up there. Yeah, it's like it's a, good, it was like private home okay. kind of setup. Wow. Uh, I lived in Arlington. Yeah, that's where my dad's and, from. Okay, and I played like uh, I played soccer for one year in a Lakewood. So yeah, we played against that team. That's that was we were, it, that was in our division. Awful. Wait, how old are you? I'm 27. Yeah, you're way, you're way younger because we we didn't have uniforms. We died. I don't know why it was so hard to find a black T-shirt. Like now I have all these black T-shirts, yeah. but back then we dyed these white T-shirts just to have a black uniform. And I'm like, how like how ghetto is that? Like was, weren't, you, weren't you guys maroon though? Wasn't Lakewood like a maroon, like kind we, of red? Yeah. You know what? Um, what was the black T-shirts for me? That was practice. You're right because we did have we had maroon jerseys yeah. eventually, but yeah. maybe that was later. Maybe we got our. It might have been like the first few games or something. Uh-huh. I just remember dyeing these like black shirts. And it might have been for practice. That's awesome because we didn't have having good memory on the on the maroon. Oh yeah, dude. Hey, yeah. Dude, there weren't that many teams in our in our league, and most of them were red. <laughs> when I was how old was I? I was eight when I played soccer. So okay, yeah, that yeah. was that was uh, yeah. Soccer is a good sport to play when you're young. It was cool. I started when I was four. Four. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. we were just past that phase of like chase the ball everywhere and yeah. kind of know what we're doing. Yeah, we call it bumblebee soccer, bunching, where everybody's just fucking. <laughs> 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 That's cool, man. So that's Lakewood, so right? early athletics, and we've got uh, we've got another guest over here as well. There's there's two guys. One of them is uh, like overly excited to talk on. The- <laughs> <laughs> uh, why don't you guys just say a little bit about who you are and, and sure. what you do? Go ahead, Sam. 
<laughs> Did you up? Well, I'm I'm Sam Turpin. Uh, I'm a mixed martial arts athlete, um, combat sport athlete. Uh, currently a line cook, but uh, right now I'm just living in San Diego to learn martial arts and eventually uh, get to the level of coaching that I want to get to. My my end goal with martial arts is to teach mixed martial arts fighters. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, how long have you been uh, involved? With martial arts? Yeah. Uh, pretty much eight years now at this point. I started off with a uh, four-credit judo class at San Diego State University, and I actually still train with that same coach today. At, literally today, we just came from training in OB with him. Um, and uh, I started training at 10th Planet probably a year after doing the judo and stuff with him. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. now we have that, that uh, Saturday no-gi judo class. Is that yeah. him by any chance? No, or no? no, no. Okay. No, that, uh, I can't remember what that guy's name is. Saeed, is that his name? Huh. He's really good, though. Yeah. I like, I like his stuff. But, yeah, no, we, we, we just did, like, regular judo like, so, in the gi and stuff. That's interesting to hear, you know, your, your end game is to coach. Like, yeah. most people, when they get into it, it's like it's either, I mean, some people it's just fitness. Some people it's, you know, a particular goal of, of you know, combat or to be, uh, you know, pro fighter and, mm-hmm. and collect big paychecks mm-hmm. or for the glory of a belt. Sure. You know, there's all kinds of different reasons. And yeah. you're going, hey, I'm doing this just to coach. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, specifically. like uh, there are there are minor goals on the on the side as well. I mean, like I really would love to make money doing this. I've always wanted to be a professional athlete. Like not always, I guess probably once in like middle school, I started watching basketball mm. and seeing basketball athletes is like a goal of my own, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is kind of like my last opportunity to become a professional athlete because <laughs> there's basketballs that ship sailed a long ass time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of pros come out of Whidbey Island, but uh... <laughs> no, and I would be the first. I think I'd be the first professional mixed martial artist for sure. I actually think I'm the only mixed martial artist right now too. That would be that would be pretty cool. I mean, yeah. the and I know I said like just coaching, but I, I actually meant specifically, right? Because yeah. most people aren't clear. Yeah. on what they wanted or something and you have this end goal in mind which is really really cool because I think it helps with you know anytime we have there's a, a concept like begin with the end in mind mm. and when you enter into something with that you along the way like you pick up habits you learn particular things that uh, put you in a position to, to be where you want to be um, versus having this ambiguity I'm not really sure what I want we'll yeah. just see what happens yeah. so that's pretty cool and a way to own it too and be like this is this is what I'm doing people ask you why you fight all the time so you really got to come up with an answer like pretty quick um, and it was it was pretty obvious for me because like I really like coaching um, but I but I realized like as I started doing it that there were there were levels to where you could coach hmm. and I saw that the people that I you know I've been coaching kids for a long ass time and I love coaching I love working with kids I love coaching kids that they, they really give you awesome perspective on life and they're entertaining as hell um but i really want to work with people that are committed because it's i don't i don't want to convince anybody to come to class you know what i mean i want i want like at, at our gym like manolo has the the benefit of having people come to him that like really want it you know what i mean and i've, I've always wanted to be in that position where somebody that really wants it recognizes that i can give it to him comes to me you know um but you can't really do that until you've fought and you know, Manolo's only how many pro fights does Manolo have? Like, I think six. Yeah, not not a lot, you know. And it's not like he was super successful in those six fights or anything. But he was he was also fighting at a time where like this sport was way different, 
Mm-hmm. So right, now I kind of, yeah, like right. yeah. <laughs> like the expectation, I feel like now that the, the sport is a little bit more legitimized, like I kind of have to take it to a level where, you know, you're recognized within the game. Here, I'm going to scoot over a little bit so I can make some eye contact with Leonard too. He's trying to hide behind the, <laughs> behind the mic yeah. thing there. I'm watching you. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, I mean, some of the greatest coaches in, in sports in general uh, I mean, I guess I'm not a huge football fan anymore, but I, I think is it Bill Belichick, a couple of those like high level football coaches, mm-hmm. like never played or played at a low level. Yeah. So you, same thing with like boxing, you know, mm-hmm. if you look at Freddie Roach or um, some of those guys, you know, uh, greatest trainers in boxing history. But you look at their professional records, their amateur records, they weren't always the best athletes necessarily, you know. Yeah, I just saw my first highlight of Freddie Roach boxing. I never even really thought about it before, yeah. and it was it was a knockout, but it was probably one of the reason I haven't seen a lot of Freddie Roach highlights is yeah. that might be the one highlight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that guy is yeah. pretty darn good. Yeah, yeah. want to share a little bit about uh, yourself, Leonard? Um, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> and you want bring it up a little, so it's we want that bass in the background right here. Yeah, well, there I you don't have now. a lot of bass in my oh, voice as it is. Oh, you so. do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, my name is Leonard Oshiro. Uh, I'm one of Sam's teammates uh, over at 10th Planet San Diego. Also an MMA fighter. Been training for um, about 10 years now, 20, 2012, at least MMA. Uh, started out with boxing 12 years ago over at uh, Santa Clara Police Athletics League. But, uh, yeah, uh, also uh, trying to go pro one day. Um possibly coach same kind of deal that's cool man and how many how many uh fights do you have total right now uh i have four mma fights two uh muay thai fights and then like a gang of smokers and stuff like that what's and what's a smoker a smoker is like um it's like a fight that doesn't go on your record you know it's like our fight nights yeah okay yeah yeah leonard's beating up a lot of people at fight nights yeah unfortunately um I think that's interesting. The record thing is interesting too. What was that? They do it out on the reservation. Gladiator challenge. Gladiator oh, yeah. sanctioned ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, I mean, uh, so I went to that uh, with uh, with Retso. Okay. And oh, good old Retso. Yeah, we were looking at just some of the. I mean, they're like, "Oh, this is a middleweight fight," and you're like, "That guy weighs 120 pounds." <laughs> the other guy weighs like 100. Like those go on, those go. That's those go on your record, yeah. I mean, they kind of <laughs> go on your record. Eli had to fight to get his gladiator challenge ones on his record because oh, they really? didn't for his first cage cage warriors fight. They didn't announce it. Um, they mm-hmm. said he was zero and one, or, or no, they said he was one and zero, or because one of his fights wasn't at gladiator challenge. It was mm-hmm. like more official. But yeah, so some some places won't recognize him, and then we we kind of battled for it. So now Eli's record's four and one, four and two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four and two. That's what Manolo's record was. Yeah, there you go. when we're talking about his six fights. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, see, that's and I think it's just the experience of of being in there. You know, mm-hmm. there's a, a difference between like a coach and a, and a mentor. Usually, the word mentor means someone like has that experience. And when I think of you know Manolo, he does so much. I mean, he obviously trains people, but he does seem like he has that mentor perspective too. Just just from the, even though those six fights. Yeah. Uh, well, I feel like most of his experience actually is now as a coach, you know, having yeah. taken like Pearl and Elima and now Juliana and like, oh, you know, the, the girls that he's taken Liz. through those and Liz. Yeah. yeah. Taking those girls through those, those higher levels. I feel like that's where like a lot of my faith in him comes from is the, the fact that I've seen him take those athletes to the levels that they've gotten to, you know? Yeah. That's pretty impressive when yeah. you 
help people get to the highest level of the combat sport. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That comes with, uh, that comes a lot. How many, so tell me a little about your, your fight career so far. Right now I've got, I'm one and two in MMA, um, and oh, and one in Muay Thai. And then I've done a decent amount of smokers too. I think I've probably done like six or seven smokers, including like, you know, like IKF, like point Muay Thai and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Not, not a super successful record, but luckily still it's, better it's amateur. Than yeah, well, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't fought as many times as you, though, so who knows? Um, but yeah, the, 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 the record hasn't been going super well, but the MMA fights, at least, like they're, they're all close. Like I, I smashed the shit out of the first, the only guy that I beat, and then the other two fights I just lost by a split. Were they both split decision? It was one just a decision and split decision. Do you remember my first fight? I do not remember. <laughs> yeah, it was close. That yeah. guy was way more fucked up after the fight than I did. So I, I do I remember I, that. I, I, took, I took that away. I, I gave him like six stitches with like the last strike that got landed in the fight. I landed like a jump front kick to his face. And Epic <laughs> still won't play that fucking highlight, dude. They have all these stupid little promotional videos and none of them show, show me doing a jump front kick to a guy's face. How That's cool. They? That's highlight worthy, you know? That seems, especially when you want to promote the promotion. Yeah, 100%, dude, yeah. Uh, I, I bugged him about it last time I went in there to do, you know, they, they're doing like fight interviews for Epic now. I bugged him about it last time, but still nothing. I'm waiting, Jason. I'm waiting. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> we'll clip this out and uh, let's see. We're at the uh, how many minute mark and we'll make sure. I want to make sure we're actually recording here. That would be what's going on. That is good. It's like a little. Usually it shows me. I don't know what's going on with the technology. Okay, it is recording. It's just not tracking along with it. So, oh, we're good. Nice. Excellent. Take that big. Uh, yeah, that's uh, we'll clip that out and we'll send it to him. Okay. We'll, just, I'll, we'll, we'll even like I can boost the post. We'll you know we'll pull some money here. You just go. spend fifteen dollars right. targeting him with this like clip. Yeah, you don't have to spend that much money doing that kind of stuff on Instagram and Facebook, right? I remember originally I was trying to do that because I was doing like personal training and, and coaching and stuff. Like that was what I was trying to do to make money. And I remember like looking at like what Facebook ads cost. And it was like five bucks and. It would be up for like a week. You yeah, know? you yeah. can get a good little, and if it's a, a neat piece of marketing, it'll give it a, a boost. Yeah. I haven't done it <clears throat> with any pod. You okay over there? <laughs> oh yeah, just had to burp. Oh, <laughs> cool. It's so it's polite. This, uh, yeah, like, it was very polite. It's this kill cliff. Oh, you killed that already. Yeah, you I killed did. the kill cliff <laughs> with Israel Adesanya. Do you feel like Izzy yet? Did you like it? Yeah, it was good. It was good. I, know. I don't. Just, I do not feel like Izzy yet. Damn it. Yeah. He starts floating around and like, he's like, well, I mean, I got some kick, like smart iPads in the closet there too. You go, so, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, you can't do that stuff. Uh, I've never done it with the podcast, but I've done it with the, the coffee company a couple of okay. times and it seems to get pretty good, pretty good reach. And yeah. I think it's just because there's billions of people using social media. It doesn't yeah. cost a lot to yeah. tap into a thousand or 2000 of them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely not taking advantage of social media like I need to. Like our our gym in general definitely needs to step that shit up. You know, like Manolo is the best at it right now, but mm -hmm. he mainly just constantly has stuff up. I don't know if it's like the best content or ever. I mean, <laughs> people definitely enjoy it. Manolo eats. Manolo eats. That, that, that's the best. See, like we need we need more things like that. It's all about consistency too. There's yeah. that guy that does uh, the bar barstool sports. Mm -hmm. Does that sound oh, weird yeah. to you guys? All of a sudden, did that sound go up and down, or is it just me? 
I, I think, think it was just you. Just me. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know what I put in my coffee. Yeah. But I started going a little wobbly. It's a little yeah. mushroom coffee. Thank God. Just a, yeah, there are mushrooms in there no actually, ice. but not like uh, not the good kind. Yeah. No, no I mean, oh. not not to hate on reishi and chaga and whatever, you know, or lion's mane, whatever is in there. They're also yeah. great mushrooms. Right? All of the above. I do but, like those. Uh, the Barstool Sports guy, he just does that pizza thing, right? Oh, yeah. And he just, but he's consistent. Yeah. I think that's most things in life, like whether it's Manolo Eats or whether mm-hmm. you guys have like your, you know, you come up with something you just like to do all the time, yeah. like just turn it into content and go regular. Yeah, I'm constantly training. I just feel like it would make the most sense to just kind of put up like training clips. You know, like if when I'm on Instagram, I'm like most of the time what I'm looking at is like knockout videos, <laughs> training videos. Uh, Leonard sends me all these like coaches tips and stuff. He follows oh, a bunch yeah. of like boxing coaches and stuff and they like mm-hmm. go into like details and like, I don't know. I feel like I'm doing something pretty much like that at all times. So it would make sense to post more stuff like that every day. You know, I just like to post clips of me getting destroyed. <laughs> yeah. He's got a lot of videos of him <laughs> getting punched now. The last one, the last one is you hitting Gordon though. Yeah. 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 That's true. Not after, after the, bell. the bell. Oh, during no, the bell. It was during the bell. He wanted to clarify uh, that with me earlier because it definitely looks like he hits him after the bell in a sparring the round. The bell was still ringing. Dick, but <laughs> it's just a long bell. Hey, I mean, that could be the theme. That could be the I'm the guy that gets punched a lot. And you just no, have we're stepping away from that. All we're stepping the- away from that. <laughs> That's been Leonard's thing. <laughs> That's a good So I, Yeah, so um, I got laser eye surgery. I got PRK in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, I used to have just terrible vision. And I... Um, uh, Manolo would want me to wear contacts when I spar and fight, but honestly, they always would come out. Is something, is, are we good? Oh, but, um, so when my vision was terrible, it was blocking the eye contact. Okay, I see. I'm like trying to get this, you know, I get some eye contact going. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, so when my, when my vision was that bad back in the day, it used to be not, not so much like a game plan, but I guess more like a tactic where, I would just kind of wait until I can feel the guy touch me and then I'll just start swinging back at him right away. So it was kind of like fighting off of just like touch. And as soon as I got hit, I would know that the guy was close enough. So that's kind of used to be how I would fight, you know? And then once I got the laser eye surgery, I was like, Oh man, I can actually see the other guy now. So, um, still, I guess, uh, old habits dying hard, you know? Seems really helpful to be able to see the person in your face. Yeah, it's quite useful. <laughs> What, that's, I mean, that's pretty, I mean, cool that you got it. Do you remember that movie Bloodsport? Did you ever see that? Mm-hmm. Oh, with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Okay, so yeah, it's kind of an older like 90s movie, maybe, or maybe even late 80s, but they're in this tournament, and spoiler alert, since it's 30 years old, if you haven't seen it, like, <laughs> right. you know, that's on, on you. you so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, a guy, like, throws this powder at him yeah. in the fighting tournament, yeah. and he can't see, and he's just sitting there, and he's, like, you know, meditating and, like, rubbing his eyes, and then... The whole scene is he fights him without being able to see. Is essentially blind. So um, you've had your Jean Claude Van Damme moments. Leonard was using any other senses other than touch, though. I think you kind of like when that happens, you're supposed to like listen and stuff. You know, oh, yeah. Leonard's just waiting to feel a fist on his face, yeah. <laughs> and then the blind boxer rages. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah. It, it is like to unwind habits, though. Is pretty tough. Yeah, yeah it is hard. It is hard. What uh, There's a lot of like uh, science and even these, you know, you guys like to read a little bit, I guess, mm. but there's a really cool book called The Greatest Salesman on the Planet, and uh, they have these things called scrolls in there. And so when you're reading the book, they say, you know, read this scroll for 30 days. And the whole first one is about habits. And, and I've heard this a lot from mentors or just, you know, life things, is that most people try to try to break a habit, but that's really hard because then you're focusing on the habit you're trying to break. Mm. But if you just fill in new good habits, 
the old bad habits don't have space. Okay. So like, I'm trying to think, I wonder if there's a, a way to think about that in fighting. Like, let's say you always throw a certain combo and you want to break the habit of throwing that combo. Like you just pick a point where you normally go into it. And instead of trying to not do that, you focus on just inserting something new in there. Throw a teep. Yeah. There mm. you go. Like some kind of like reset that, that gets you out of the old pattern. And now yeah. you're, you're, you're basically building like a new neural path oh. um, for a new pattern. I like that. Then you're not fighting against yourself so much. Yeah, it's a lot yeah, of extra kind of energy working with it. Yeah, no, yeah. that makes a lot of sense, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because I, I have tons of bad habits that I developed when I first started doing this. Because when I first came to the gym, I my striking was really, really terrible. Because I pretty much just been doing judo, and then the same guy that taught me judo also teaches eskrima and like taekwondo, and and so I was learning like how to kick and like how to throw kind of like more traditional martial artsy stuff. So I'd come into a class where all these guys have Muay Thai, boxing and wrestling and jujitsu. And I have a little bit of judo and I can throw a sidekick. So I pretty much survived. Like, I don't know, we, we do these classes in the mornings where it was like literally just sparring the whole time. So I'd, I'd, I'd last during these like hour long sparring sessions against guys that are way, way better than me just by using these bad habits of like running and throwing a sidekick and running and throwing a sidekick and like throwing a really crappy jab and then moving my head really poorly. But I'd get out of the way and I wouldn't take a whole bunch of damage. So I kept reinforcing those habits. And now it's really hard to kind of, as I'm getting to the point where like I do actually have the skills to like be in the pocket or clinch with somebody or catch an angle and throw like better combos, I find myself doing all that stupid stuff that I did before just because it got me out of, mm-hmm. out, of, out of the way you know because like me and Leonard are very opposite in the way that we approach things like for Leonard he it's wins a sparring, a sparring session or a fight if he hits the guy the way he wants to I win if I don't take damage mm. that's like my big thing so like I, I like, and I kind of adopted that from my first coach is kind of his his number one rule is don't get hit because he trained with like knives and sticks and stuff so if you get hit <laughs> with sticks and knives it's, it, it's kind of moot whatever other things you know you know you, you yeah. can't get hit first you take a knife to the anywhere and you're like that's not that, that that's didn't not help yeah that wasn't great yeah it's an interesting I, I remember boxing uh i boxed a little bit in college like they the college had a boxing it's neat that you actually your intro to yeah. it was you know judo in college mm-hmm. like most people don't think of college and think of combat sports yeah but uh the i don't know if it's just like like History as a kid and teenager and even early 20s. I started going to college when I was like 23. Nice. And, uh, but I'd been like, even at 17, I had a fake ID and I was in a lot of bar fights. So I kind of had these like nutty, like you're just throwing haymakers and your, you know, fights last 15 seconds. Uh And so going into boxing and sparring, he's like, hey, Derek, it's great that you can take a lot of punches, but we don't want you to take a lot of punches. You know, it's like, Oh, footwork. What's that? Like you can move your feet. So you have to like start to think yeah, um, differently. Yeah. But yeah, that is, that is really tough. What is a screamer by the way? A is a Filipino martial art. So they're in, in the Philippines. They have, they have, you know, cause there's so many different small islands. They have a bunch of martial arts that look very similar, but they're all different based on the family lineages. Hmm. So there's like three different terms you'll hear for like the martial arts system out there. It's like Eskrima, Kali, and Arnis. They're all kind of the same thing, but they all have different family uh, and different lineages. Um, and, you know, they, they kind of do stuff differently. But all the weapons are the same. They all use stick, which is like a, it's usually they have a stick that's like as long as like your, the base of your elbow to the tip of your finger. Hmm. Um, and then they also have like a longer stick they call like a largo mano, which means like, like long hand. Um, and that one's usually like as long as like a bokken kind of length. Um, and then they have knives and machetes. And then they also have hand to hand fighting system that they base off of that. So like the, 
the screamo that I learned. Um, my my first coach, the guy that taught me judo, he actually learned from somebody in the states. But then eventually, he in his forties, he would take trips to the Philippines and do like two month sabbaticals and just be out in the Philippines getting cut and smacked in the mud by Filipino dudes and Damn. yeah and the, those are like the coolest stories that, that I that I get to hear from him is just like getting getting his ass handed to him everybody called him Mr. California so <laughs> <laughs> when you go other places yeah you get like a like anything can just be and it's like where you're from yeah. what you look like yeah. uh if you see those bows over there yeah so I over the summer um this really cool little Brazilian girl ninja you know, I'm sitting there thinking, like, she's tiny, like, whatever, it's a stick, uh-huh. you know? Like, yeah, I, wanted, I was excited, and, like, let's go train, you know? So I got those so that we can go train. And she's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'll teach you. And uh, it was pretty impressive. I got my ass kicked, you know? Yeah. She's, like, pretty good at kung fu and, and cool. trains with the bow and everything. Yeah, yeah. And even just, like, taking a couple whacks with it, it's, like, you know, moving into a position, like, you pretty much have to take her down right away because at length, I was just getting destroyed yeah. with her and her little tiny stick movements mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. There's a lot to it, but it's yeah. uh, you don't think about weapons. You see the little club right there too. Yeah. So when you're talking about the 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 first like uh, what's it called the one you said there's the arm length. Yeah, just the nor- the normal stick that they use about like okay. elbow to fingertip length, maybe a little bit longer. That's the the basis for those as a as a weight training or strength training system is from uh, Indian like uh, uh, like of India. Once upon a time, yeah. they went into battle with clubs like that. Huh. And so that's becoming, uh, I had a couple guys here on Friday, we were talking about this, and that's how they rode into battle, but then other groups of people started figuring out it could help them with sword fighting, from hmm. strength training, so, I mean, you, you need, you know, even if you just use a five-pound one of those, it's pretty crazy, then you start going to 10, 15, that big one is 35, Damn. and that's like a beast just because it's all condensed, yeah. but there's a lot of good stuff that that comes out of that too that can help with martial arts with core strength mm-hmm. with grip strength with just um neurologically training with them can really keep you grounded and very calm yeah you do a lot of cross body stuff with it too like you cross over your center line and yeah, stuff. yeah it's supposed to be really good for for wiring the brain up that's it, kind of one of the cool things with the screen too because you do a lot of like two-handed uh, stick stuff. So we do all these drills. I call it like a Cinewally. So you're doing like stick tapping drills and like, you know, you're, it's a kind of a cool motion, kind of like a figure eight kind of motion. Um, and you're, you're doing like different patterns with your partner. And it's like, we, we used, we used to do these classes with kids that were, uh, on the autism spectrum hmm. and it really helped them just like develop some social behaviors because I, a lot of kids with, with autism have a hard time crossing, um, uh, brain hemispheres. Hmm. So once you get them doing stuff like that, it, it, it helps them like indirectly with a whole bunch of other stuff. So we were, we were having those kids do just a bunch of like little stick drills and then we, we taught them some other stuff, but yeah, that's pretty, every time I start talking about autism, I hear stuff like that because when something like that helps me, I'm like, man, do I have like, am I on the spectrum? Like I ask myself that so many times. I have other people ask me and then some are like, no, I don't think so. And yeah. like, that's not very, you know, confirming because I've, taking those online tests like i just i didn't want to do it and i did it once and it was like yeah man you're you're out there and I'm like, Fuck, you know dude now i mean it's a spectrum right yeah so we talk about it like it's a spectrum i think that like it's it's not it's not shameful to like be on the spectrum because everybody is it's just yeah. like what where on the spectrum are you you know what i mean and i think i think how you behave in in life will like change where you are on that spectrum like i don't i don't think that it's like set I don't think your positioning on the autism spectrum is like you're born one way and then it just happens that way. Cause I know tons of kids that like 
were really, really like, like especially with like the social behaviors, like could not maintain eye contact, mm-hmm. couldn't do all this other stuff. And then they did stuff like put them in karate or get them doing sports or they just made friends, you know? And because yeah. the cool thing about being like an autistic kid is that there's other autistic kids out there that you guys right. can hang out and it's cool, you know? Yeah. And well, you feel like less stressed about it, you know? Because you're both missing social cues and shit, you know? Well, the eye but, contact thing is interesting too. Like I have a yeah. family member that, you know, is on the spectrum and they're, they're, you know, deep into a certain part of the spectrum and, and they actually make like super intense eye contact, yeah. right? And yeah. so it's like the opposite of wanting to avoid it. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, all right, yeah. <laughs> we're going to hang out and stare at each other for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really, it's really weird. Like the whole, like how, how we're looking at mental health now is, is cool. I think like I like I think it would have been a real big bummer to like have any kind of mental health issue like 10 years ago even oh you know what I mean gosh. it would have been a lot worse yeah you know? the 1900s they just like put you on a ship and were like <laughs> go explore see what happens and like then you never like what happened to so-and-so like my brother it doesn't matter they're just like or they're in the west wing of the castle and yeah. they're just like not allowed to talk to people yeah. <laughs> oh you mean my basement brother yeah yeah He's, <laughs> exactly what's that the goonies movie hey, God. like just leaving him in the cave yeah. Yeah. there's a there's a term i've heard i think i heard it a year ago for the first time called neurodivergent mm-hmm. and it's a, a new way of you know redefining mental health mm-hmm. or autism or things like that because um, I do a lot of like uh, like business coaching, consulting. Like on Monday nights, uh, this like entrepreneurial group too. We talk about a lot of stuff like this, and um, so many people kind of cripple themselves. Saying, "I have ADD, I have ADHD. Like mm-hmm. I need this," yeah. and you you immediately put this cap on it. Whereas you know, I was diagnosed. They couldn't keep me still in class as, like as a kid, you know, like six, seven, eight years old. I would do my work or some of it, sometimes all of it, and then just go around and start bugging people and talking to them and like, hey, what are you doing? You know, and just drive the teachers nuts. Yeah. And, you know, got kicked out of class over and over. I even got kicked off the bus once. Damn. I couldn't get back to school because I couldn't, I couldn't stay quiet long enough at the railroad crossing when the train came by. Okay. Like even for the one minute you're supposed to be yeah, quiet, I was just yeah. like, hey, what? it's been 10 seconds. Come yeah. on, like, let's go. Uh, I, yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, see the testing, they're like, oh, like keep them off a red food dye, which is crazy because red in, food, like red, red meat. Food so this used to be, yeah. So this oh, is red a, food dye, red food dye. So yeah. in the in the '90s when they were first doing this stuff, like it seemed like doctors were really interesting. They're like, oh, there are certain sugars and things like that that you want to keep your kid off of. Mm-hmm. We don't, I don't hear that as much anymore. Mm-hmm. But it was like very prevalent that they would say, you know, red food dye will make some people um, hyper. And this is back in the day, like Kool Aid was really popular yep. and things like that. Nowadays we don't. Yeah, but the red one. Yeah, I don't know what it is Who about the, the red, red one. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. I was. What's your, what's your favorite Kool Aid? It's all about the grapes. The grapes. Grapes. They had uh, lemonade, and yeah. it was about all the Kool Aids. I can't believe I'm still alive after the amount of Kool Aid I drank growing up. You know, like you're just putting sugar and chemicals into it. Well, I mean, you're resilient Dude. as a kid, I guess. Yeah. But. No, I, I think it's different as a kid too. Yeah. You're, you're more resilient. And then also there's no other toxins, you know, like as an adult, like, yeah. you know, like, like, you know, you're getting less sleep, you know, you're drinking, there's other drugs involved, you, you know, other you know drugs. what I mean? Like as, as a kid, the worst thing that you were consuming was sugar, you know, like mm-hmm. for me, like I, I remember like the most. Probably a day that still impacts my my kidney and liver kidneys and liver to this day is I I drank a, like a twelve or twenty four pack of soda to myself or something like that. It was an insane insane amount of nice. soda, and I remember raging. 
just like literally being a problem for like hours and then <laughs> and then crashing like really really hard and like not waking up for like 12 hours wait this like, is in one day yeah dude it was, it was we had a party we had a party and like you know how when you have parties I know this is not something that happens anymore. I don't think like at least in my circles, like we're not just buying huge amounts of so copious amounts of soda anymore, but like you would buy those huge, you know, like the, the big rectangle mm-hmm. of soda. I don't know how, I think it's 24. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's a lot of soda. Like I think I drank a lot of soda that day, but like you, we had multiple of them and I just noticed that like there was like three of them that were like completely unopened. I was like that, that dog on that mug root beer is staring at me. I think I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to get after these sodas and I just started fucking putting them down, dude. And then I just like, I just, like before like, you know, you drink twenty four. <laughs> well, dude, it was didn't I, it, like it literally felt. It literally felt like an upper. You know what I mean? Like it was like it was like Wee. like I was like wow. really I like I like yeah. I just I don't remember having any like cogent thoughts. I just remember just like a, a huge amount of energy, and and I remember people's faces like how they're looking at me. They're they're all, like everyone like everyone looked concerned. You know, I remember like looking up at the adults and the adults look concerned. Looking at my friends and my friends are like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's like Beavis and Butthead style. Yeah, yeah Cornholio, dude. It was gnarly. It was Basically. gnarly. But yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like that was that was like those were the drugs as kids. You know, it was like all the sugar. Yeah. And yeah, but yeah, no. I've heard a lot of stuff with like autism. How like consumption of that stuff at, when you're young will like not help you. Like. uh adjust as an adult you know yeah i think what i know now going back to this like habit thing right is Mm -hmm. that if i there's certain habits i've developed over the years that i know help me focus that help me whatever and if i get away from those i feel way more like i'm on the uh i don't want to say anti-social but if you're i mean i guess it's a way to put it if you look at things on on black and white like on one side is you know socially acceptable behavior whatever that means (laughs) because You know, sometimes, yeah, exactly. Like, eh, some things are socially acceptable, you know, by who, by sure, what. Right. Who it depends on the situation. No. Exactly. The environment. Yeah. But if I get away from some of those habits, some of them might be a little more, you know, socially unacceptable mm-hmm. or just not conducive of good social relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a little more impatient mm-hmm. or uh, having a conversation, you know, kind of scattered all over and someone's like, what is this person talking about? So, yeah. But those habits have helped me. Uh, I think wire into that versus, you know, I'm not waking up and snorting some Kool-Aid and then like going about my day. <laughs> you had a wild childhood, my guy. You're waking up snorting Kool-Aid. Yeah. The red kind. Oh, the yeah. red kind. <laughs> no. The, red, the grape Kool-Aid was good. It just, yeah, you can snort Kool-Aid. So it's got to be grape. Yeah, I guess that's that. Uh, they used to have, I mean, we in Washington, we called soda pop. Yep, too. I remember like, pop. That's a different thing. Mm-hmm. It was pop. And they yeah. had the little uh, machines where it was a quarter and I remember loving the black cherry, like the Safeway Select ah, or yes, those yes. other ones. There was mm-hmm. like black cherry. Mm-hmm. Was, yeah. Pop. Yeah. The good stuff. Yeah. Nobody calls, nobody calls it pop down here, huh? I remember moving. No, when I moved to California and I yeah. was like, can I get a pop? People are like, what are you talking about? You know, like, what do you mean <laughs> yeah, a pop? You. Yeah, exactly. So I think it was the same in uh, Tennessee and Kentucky. Too. Really? Yeah. They'll call it, I think sometimes they'll call it soda pop. Okay. Do they call it Coke there? Because I remember I have a cousin that lives in Texas. He he said they call it Coke. Just kind of make love to it, you know. Just get the microphone. Get on it, buddy. Okay. Are you? Are you from? uh, No, but I lived in Tennessee and Kentucky for six years combined. I did two years in in uh, sorry Kentucky and then four in Tennessee. Okay. How how old are you right now? Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Okay. Just turned twenty eight last week. Oh, happy birthday, man! Thank you. Congratulations. Very cool. So, what took you out out there? My dad, he he worked for Toyota, so he moved around a lot. And uh, 
I moved to Kentucky when I was in the second grade, I think. So I did like second and third grade over there. And then uh, Tennessee, I lived there for four years between um, sixth grade to 10th grade or something like that. Yeah. And then finished out high school down in uh, the Bay Area and then came down here to San Diego for college. That's a good, that's a good mixture of places to be. Like, I think just start, you, that just like exploded all yeah. of a sudden. No, <laughs> no um, it was cool. Yeah. It was yeah. Cool. <laughs> you know, there was this, uh, I'm going to blame it on my two guests on Friday. Cause one of them like decided it was hot and just took off his shirt while we're doing the podcast. He's like, Oh, it's a naked no, podcast. It's, <laughs> it's a naked. I did see that. <laughs> I love that guy. I'm glad he's, it was just a shirt. <laughs> he was a li- but I was like, afterwards I've been like smelling something in here. <laughs> <laughs> so I started earlier I was like dude what's that smell and I've like cleaned out the trash and everything and I'm like alright the studio smells a little Sorry. weird but I tried to make sure that I was as not stinky as possible yeah. I, I got I got wrecked before I got in here my uh, my judo coach was running me through wrestling drills and I, I soaked through my clothes so I had to uh, I had see, to do a sink shower before I came in I here. saw you guys like smelling yeah, that, no, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I was put I was putting on deodorant in the parking lot <laughs> Got a shower if you guys, you know, need it. So appreciate it, man. Yeah, there's the ocean too. It's pretty good. But uh, <laughs> that's yeah. another kind of funk you don't want in here, though. You, you, yeah. you don't want stinky yeah. hippie ocean and funk. ocean smell. That's oh, not good. You can't have that deodorant. Yeah, yeah, it's um, critical. Um, but that, but living in different in different spots, like I think there's something good about that. Like you learn things aren't just one way. Yeah, you get a variety of people. Bay Area is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the values of the, you know, I don't know if that's a South or Midwest technically for Kentucky. I guess Kentucky's pretty no, it's South. The south. And, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. South. You get to do some cool stuff. You know, like I, I rode, I got to ride horses in Kentucky, um, Tennessee. I played football, and you know, the football in the South is is a pretty cool experience. Like every, yeah. it's a religion over there. You know, so I mean, I didn't really care about football. I just kind of wanted to hit people. So that's what <laughs> I was doing. Common hit, hit people and fit in. You know. But yeah. uh, make some friends, but yeah, man, it's it, it's a cool experience. Just like it's just so different than than California. And I remember when I moved back to uh, Santa Clara in the in the tenth grade, everyone would call me Tennessee because that was like the <laughs> thing that stood out about me was that I was from Tennessee. And apparently, I used to have like a little Southern accent a little bit. Okay, but uh, uh, I'd play um, defense in football. I was a nose tackle. And then whenever, whenever the offense um, on the opposing team comes out, you're supposed to call out where the strength is, like whether they're on the left side or the right side. And I guess I had a little southern accent going in. I'll be like, laugh, laugh, or right, right. <laughs> and then people would just dog on me for that, <laughs> just copying, mimicking me, and just, yeah. So had a little, little, little Asian southern accent going on. <laughs> That's cool, man, the Tennessee kid. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's interesting that like can go away too because I mean I don't I don't hear it at all. No, well, apparently apparently when I get drunk, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll say like tomatoes <laughs> or potatoes. Potatoes. <laughs> oh gosh, so you you like tomatoes and potatoes, potatoes when you're drunk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty cool. The so you I mean obviously you were into athletics and like to hit people. It seems to be a theme. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I I never thought of myself as an athlete. Um, I never considered myself like athletic or fast or like hmm, coordinated per se. Mm -hmm. Like I remember um, like I would get into fights in like school or like in locker rooms and stuff like that with like good athletes, like athletes, like football players that were like actually getting recruited and shit like that. But 
I knew that they were better athletes than I was, but I always had a feeling that I could beat their ass. <laughs> like I, I, I kind of knew I was like, you're a better athlete than me, but I think in a fight it's different. Like I don't know how to explain it. You got a good uh, nose for bitch. You can smell bitch. Yeah, I'm like, no, I think, mm. like, I think I'm not gonna bitch out in this situation. You know, like it was different. Like I always thought that was what was different about fighting. Like it's different than any other sport. You know, it requires um, like a different mentality. I guess you know. The so. the dog inside is the phrase that people yeah. you know, generally use. Yeah. Whose dog is whose dog is bigger? I, the first time I did any MMA like actual like rounds was with you, mm-hmm. and that was what we do like yeah, <laughs> like actual MMA rounds. And I mean, what was that ten rounds? Yeah, it was, it was a Friday. On, on the, was, yeah, on Friday, it's oh, pretty yeah. gnarly. Yeah, by uh, I remember one guy was started like I thought he was going to yak after like six rounds. It's looking, so frequent on that Friday class, really. Yeah. But the last. I think it was most people seemed like they were they were done by like seven or eight, mm-hmm. and it was you and you and me in like round eight or nine or nine and ten or something like that. And uh, that that it was like the first time I had that experience, you know, with someone that actually really knows what they're doing, and just being held on the ground and <laughs> popped in the face and like summoning every ounce of energy I could to be like, I'm not quitting. And I don't know when the timer is going off, but yeah. like there's still hope, like there's still chance that yeah. I can get out of this. Yeah. Even though it was like highly unlikely and <laughs> did not happen, but you just kind of like I got a few pounds on you. Yeah. How, how much do you weigh? Like 180 right now. 180. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. yeah. Probably like 15, 20 pounds. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, just like you, you kind of and they're just sitting there going, okay, like I, I just wanted to summon like burst of energy, mm-hmm. you know, to pop out of mm-hmm. it and just refusing to quit what I. What I didn't realize, uh, I mean, it was super fun, like especially the first five rounds when a lot of it was on the feet for the most yeah, part. And I'm yeah. like, I can move really fast mm-hmm. on my feet so yeah. I can like escape things. Uh-huh. But uh, how mentally taxing that was. Like I didn't realize I need a little recovery afterwards or the mm-hmm. next day. I went to Mexico, I think, the next day or like that night even or something. Okay. And I was just hanging out with people and, and I wasn't very talkative. And I just I don't think I slept a lot or whatever. And I'm like thinking i'm like what has me so taxed and it was as fun as it was and everything there was this like uh like you have to recharge after something like that that's been the hardest part about this for me is that i i when i first started doing this i never recognized how much it was draining me because i was enjoying it so much Mm. you know i'd come i'm cut out of like you know there was a point where i was doing like two a days like five days a week um, and I, I was, I destroyed myself. Like my immune system went to shit. I was getting sick like every other week. Um, my liver was like fucking swollen and it hurt all the time. I developed insomnia. Like I literally destroyed myself from training all the time. So now I'm at the point where I'm like, I get really nervous about like doing back to back classes, and, like, hmm. doing more than like two hours a day. And you, you know what I mean? So like, I'm, I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm starting to build build all that stuff back up. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I was neglecting, you know, mobility training, uh, mm-hmm. steady state cardio. I do no slow running. So now, now I'm doing like some slow runs and bikes and stuff like that. And all that stuff's supposed to help you improve, not your, your cardio in the training per se, but it's supposed to improve your ability to get more volume in hmm. during the week. 
Um, so what about these guys that you that you hear, you know, they're training like four or five, six hours a day. Mm-hmm. Like, is that just because they have no other, like they're all in, so they spend a lot of time on recovery? Sure, man. Or? I mean, if you can sleep for nine hours and take a nap during the day mm-hmm. and you have a nutritionist make all your meals for you and, you know, and, you know, it's it's cool to say four to six hours a day, but the reality of that is you're probably doing one hour of a sparring class, maybe an hour of like hard wrestling. The rest of it's drilling. Mm. You know, you're talking with your coach. You're in, you're in the gym for six hours. There's no fucking way. You, you have the, the human body physically, you know, you're, you're not rockly. You can't just fucking like keep going until you, until you fall over. You know what I mean? Like it's, mm. it's just, you got, you gotta, um, yeah, you gotta take that with a grain of salt when you hear pros talking about like, yeah, I spent six hours in the gym. Every day is a two a day. Fucking, you know, I wish somebody had told me that like a year ago. Where? <laughs> <laughs> so I think I found that out the hard way yeah. like last December. Yeah. I, took, I was supposed to go on vacation for a week and I ended up with all the like COVID restrictions and everything just oh. staying here. And okay. I was going into 10th planet. Mm-hmm. Like literally I would do the, I was doing, and it was just this one week, but it was the early class, like 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. I'd like come home, eat, chill, protein, whatever, and then go back. And like a couple of days, I did three, but there were some two days. And that was on top of my regular, like lifting weights. Hell yeah. And I felt amazing, but I, I don't think that I had the recovery sleep part. Cause I'm like, yeah. I, I'm like a six to seven hour sleeper, yeah. and I'm like, cool. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you'll feel amazing for that week. The, but the, yeah. the thing is you try to do that for like a couple months. Yeah. It's real bad. It's yeah. real bad. Like that's kind of like the thing that I really like about how we're running like fight camps and stuff now at the gym is like your last week you're not doing that. You know, like everything's very recovery based. You're going over the combos that you're supposed to do. You're covering strategy. You're doing uh, all your, you know, kind of like you're recovering from the camp, mm. you know, because I feel like originally we weren't doing that, right? When it was like when we had the big pro team of dudes, it seemed like we were like, up and like we were hard sparring up until fights. Mm. I feel um, maybe get up in that baby. <laughs> right, right, make Sam knows now. Me. He's like get in the get in there. Want to hear the boost? I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> no, I, f- I mean I never, I never did anything week of work. Yeah, it seems to be pretty I'm common. Like if you watch the, you know, I like to watch those embedded series and things mm-hmm. like that. They really, a lot of the coaches just talk about like, we're just drilling. We want to break a light mm-hmm. sweat, mm-hmm. nothing hard. And, um, I've taken that into the business world with me where with mm. public speaking and things like that, like I used to get super, super nervous when I first started. Yeah. And, uh, now it's like, cause they say you should practice and rehearse like right up to the day, but like a few days, three, four or five days before I actually purposely try to create a lot more like a mental recovery. Mm. And I find that when the moment comes, you know, there's a thousand people or 300 or whatever, it, uh, it's gone a lot better. Yeah. Like I don't feel, I don't have that same level of stress. Like, I mean, they have been really good either way, but I'm, I'm less stressed going into it, which is nice. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something for everybody to learn about themselves, but like something that I've noticed is like time away is the best thing for me. Like, like when I, like, especially I noticed this with judo cause I did no, I did no judo for a six month or a year long period or something like that. And I went and did the California state games and I did my, I had my best match. I did, I did my best judo when I was practicing. It was like all my throws look really clean. The throw that I got the guy with is like the best judo throw I've done in my life. And I was doing no judo. I was doing jujitsu. I was doing other things, but like, I think the thing with, with me in particular, but I'm sure this is true for a lot of other people is like you, uh, your brain will prune out all the bad stuff if you don't do it, you know, but if you keep repeating 
whatever you were doing, it's not going to, it's not going to trim that fat. You're just going to main, you're going to maintain bad habits that way, you mm -hmm. know? So if you can completely step away from something or do something like adjacent, you know, like I was doing jujitsu and I was doing wrestling and stuff. Um, so there's definitely still a lot of grappling. So like I'm still reinforcing some bad habits, but like all the bad habits that I, that I had in judo went away. Like I, when I like, I, I still have that match on my phone. I'll go back and watch it. And like, I'm aggressive. I'm off balancing the guy. Um, I'm constantly hitting him with attacks. Uh, I'm not just like waiting. I'm not like, you know, like in, in judo, we have this term called jigatai, which is like every white belt is like this jigatai just means you're stiff. So like, if you like when you, when you first start doing judo and you get thrown, it sucks. Someone's mm -hmm. hitting you with the earth and it's terrible, you know? <laughs> and so you're like, you're always bracing and you're always just like trying to avoid that damage. But like, if you ever do that against somebody that's good, essentially you're just like a plank and they mm -hmm. just tip you over and smash you in, into the earth really hard. So you have to learn like how to be loose and stuff. And like when I watch all my other matches previous to this one, that's how I look. I look like that in all the matches. I'm like mm -hmm. just trying to like White muscle them as hard as I can, just squeezing as hard as possible, you know? And then I, when I'm watching this one, I look like loose. And it, the funniest part is it looks like how I look when I do really good like kickboxing sparring and stuff like i kind of have like similar posturing i was like i was looking swaggy you know what i mean it's like usually when i'm doing my best i like it, much to like this like one of the reasons that leonard hated me so much when we we're first at the gym like I, I have like like style when i do a lot of a lot, a lot of stuff you know <laughs> yeah, he, yeah um, he looks like he's trying to look cool exactly exactly and that's uh, not the case i'm not like in my head like all right sam do this it'll look cool it's more like those are like because i come from a like a like i consider myself coming from like a basketball background and in basketball the best basketball players have style yeah you have steez you have swag you know mm -hmm. you know what i mean and if you yeah, like sean o'malley like sean o'malley yeah okay. yeah really pretty pretty good example in, in fighting but like if you if you if you're showing that it's allowing you to express yourself better. And I feel like yes. it allows me to feel bigger. Mm. Like it may not even be like a physical sense. It could just be like my energy is bigger. Like I'm making my aura bigger or whatever. You know what I mean? But like when I'm, when I'm allowing myself to be loose and relax and kind of like make technically like mistakes, like I put my, putting my hands down or, or switching stances when a lot of coaches would say it's a bad idea, which Manola told me is a bad idea all the time until I started actually doing well with it, you know? Um, but yeah, like, like I feel like that's that's really important for me is to like be swaggy with it. I, well, I think no, that makes sense. We all do it. That's you know? fair. Like I do my I do my own stuff that makes yeah, me on. feel makes me feel confident, <laughs> good. You know, he's got this yeah. little cradle motion that he does all the time. Uh, well, I think that's that's important. You talked about expressing yourself mm -hmm. too, right? If you look at like who's a super like that Valentina Shevchenko. Mm -hmm. When I think of a machine mm -hmm. who's like super super technical, yeah, that's her, right? Yeah. But she. But she still does it in a way where she is expressing herself. But like yeah. that's just her rhythm. Whereas a Sean O'Malley, that guy's funny. He has those videos where he's like, "Okay, everybody's telling me I'll drop my hands too much." So he makes the little funny video where his hands are way up in the air. Yeah. And so he, but he, or but like that's takes him to his head or something. Yeah. And there's, <laughs> there's something to be said. Like yeah. if you feel more comfortable, and now if you're getting beat up, like maybe it's time to not feel comfortable. <laughs> but if you feel confident and you have less stress in a certain you know way of doing things um you're going to perform better yeah so that's that that's i think it's probably tough for coaches to figure out like how should i keep someone technical versus when are they really expressing themselves you got to know your fighter you know yeah. like i've been in front of manolo now for like six years you know what i mean like off and on but but you know like he's he's seen me progress you know from the the kid that threw sidekicks and ran away from the pros and then the the dude that can now like actually throw combinations and grapple and stuff you know so like i, I feel like he has more faith in my ability to do so maybe a little maybe a little bit too much faith that probably explains that last fight a little bit <laughs> <laughs> um 
the uh, the getting calm in certain scenarios too. Like that's something I noticed that I don't know if certain you know gyms they really hone in on that and try to teach people that. Uh, you know, like like my lip right now. I don't know if you can see it. Like got busted well, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and that's just from a guy that's you know newer. He's probably been training there like five six months or mm-hmm. something, and just drilling yesterday mm-hmm. in jujitsu. He had a spazzy moment and hit me with a shoulder, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." And it's just because he's like so stiff. Yeah. Versus, you know, take a deep breath, chill mm-hmm. out. Like we're not in a rush to get through the drill. Yeah. And uh, they say that sometimes, but it, you kind of need, you know, if there's a way. What helped me, I think, transition into a more complex of that stuff was uh, the Donaher Diaries. There's a oh really? It's a good book on okay. Audible, and it's super cool. And it just, I mean, he really. I mean, that guy's pretty good at jujitsu, right? Pretty good at coaching pretty people. Good. Pretty yeah, he's, he's he's well done. Yeah, I love the way he I love the way he talks about jujitsu. Yeah, so th- this audible is amazing, man. It just uh, it really talks about the mentality. You know, like the whole first part of it's about learning how to survive way more than attacking. Mm. But the way he breaks it down is super good. And you, you know, I, I found myself like really transitioning out of like a spazzy reactionary like even aggressive in some ways into this like just super calm mm. you know like okay this is normal kind of just the perspective of it but yeah it's uh it's pretty powerful stuff yeah well i bet i bet doing the doing the mma rounds helped a lot with that too like if you can survive a heavier dude on top of you hitting you on the face while you're on the ground it's fucking nothing when somebody's got a neon belly on you you know what i mean like like i, I remember i remember thinking like neon belly was like such a torturous thing that, that could happen to you, you know? And then I've done rounds with Leonard where he's like covering my mouth and hitting me at the same time. You know, you know what I mean? And like, like we, you, if you can up your threshold for stress, it just makes life so much easier. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, like I think I'd, I think I'd have a lot more propensity to like let things overwhelm me if mm-hmm. I hadn't like been hit in the face so many times. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to get punched in the face. It's like, good, dude. It's if good. Someone for you. hasn't. Like you kind of yeah. have to wonder, like, what are they going to do when that happens? Oh, you can you can smell it on them too. Like I'm talking about Leonard. Like I've, Leonard's always had a, had a nose for bitch, but I'm, I've 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 been, I've been starting to get get getting the uh, getting the sense myself. You know, and you just kind of walk around in life, and you can like look at people, and you're like, this dude's never had to struggle like that. You know mm. what I mean? Maybe something's been hard in his life, and he's like overcome some stuff. You know, like uh, like a math problem or something. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> <laughs> but you can you. Can like you can like look at a, it's a lot of people now you know what i mean i think that's why martial arts is becoming so prominent because like there you can you can see that um that differential in the types of people that exist in today's world you know there's just people that just their threshold for for stress is just below their knees you know what i mean like anything anything can be like <laughs> it's too much you know you know like especially like you if you spend any time on social media you see what people complain about it's like dude how is that your problem? Someone, you know, you know. What I mean? <laughs> yeah, someone said. By the way, that's a dope shirt. This is one of Juliana's originals. That. That's, that's super, super cool, dope, right? Yeah, yeah. That looks like. Uh, who is that? It looks like. Reminds me of that video game. But uh, it's it's this is Juliana Miller's shirt. Um, okay. I, she was just really into anime girls yeah. at one point. She was posting all these all these pictures of like yeah. anime girls with swords and stuff. And she's like, I want to be an anime girl. And then I think who made this one? Do you remember? Was it somebody at the gym? I have no, I have no idea. Some, I think it might have been. It might have been fan art. Oh, what do you think? It might have been yeah, Jacob Jake's Lee. Good, dude. You guys, Jake's both, good. Jake, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. You guys yeah. both got your tenth planet gear on. Oh so. yeah. This is a majority of the shirts we own at this point. That's, now. And it that's is. kind of I basically rotate between like, uh, yeah, some kind of fright shirt and then coffee company Wait, shirts. So like my whole. I'm just <laughs> replacing the wardrobe with it's that. your persona now. It, it's, yeah, I like it. You know, you just kind of yeah. own it. Yeah. You, you know, Sam told me that I got to start wearing more normal clothes now. Like. 
like stuff with pockets and stuff. <laughs> well, he lives in a, he lives in a oh. house now. He's been living in a car for the last seven years of his life. So yeah, yeah, man. So he, all he needed was whatever he wore for work, and then whatever he needed at the gym because that's all he was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just fight shorts and fight shirts. Really, hoochie <laughs> daddies yeah. all day. So like, lit- just out of curiosity, like literally in a car, or? literally the car okay. that we rolled in up a truck or? or an SUV. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Tell me a little bit about that. I mean, okay, so so I was I used to work in an office. Um, at, I used to work at LPL Financial, um, like a suit and tie kind of job. But um, I hated it, man. Like it was depressing. It was just a soul sucking job. I'd get in at six a.m., leave at around three thirty, and then have to fight traffic to get down to the gym. Um, and then on the days that I did go to the gym, you know, I'd be training from like four thirty to eight you know get back home at nine and it's like then you just got to go right back to sleep to wake up at five to get ready to go to work you know um i was i was drinking like three beers on my lunch break coming back to work drunk as fuck and it just i was fat i was like 180 pounds just not like i was just like what am i doing with my life and then so basically I mean, I didn't get fired, but I know I, I, I mean, I got let go, <laughs> but it was like a mutual understanding, you know, like, Hey, I don't like, like this job. Breakup. Yeah. I don't like this job. You don't like me. So we just went it's our separate you, ways. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then, um, but even before I, um, even before I quit slash got let go of that job, I was like, fuck this man. Like I'm already only coming home to this apartment to go to sleep. Yeah, you know what I mean. I could just fucking sleep in my car and then actually do shit that I want to do like throughout the day, and um, so yeah. Then that was like 2015. And then was doing that for till literally like last week. Wow. Yeah, and yeah. moved in with this guy. Congrats, Sam. Yeah, oh, the two of you guys. Yeah, we're roommates, okay. man. Yeah. Oh, cool. Congrats. Well, yeah, he's teaching me about you know, homemade life. Homemade, homemade, <laughs> homemade life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. homeful. Home. <laughs> I don't know if that's the opposite. I don't. He didn't like, know keep, that you put towels in the bathroom. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> like where do you? Yeah, you guys you can do that for like drying your hands yeah. and stuff. And I noticed your towels were also in your bathroom. Yeah. Where do you? Usually, that's where, oh. <laughs> he's trying to put my towels in my room. I was, I was like, like, do you we know, have a bathroom now? We can store them in the bathroom where yeah, you need I them. I remember that from like having roommates in college. Like, yeah. always, if there was like five people using the bathroom, mm-hmm. like I'm not gonna leave my towels. No, that's in fair. There. Yeah, you got your shower yeah. koozie in your room yeah, and stuff like that. Now, yeah, or shower koozie. No, what's what's it called? Yeah. The shower. The shower. Cat. 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 Yeah. 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 That's cool. Well, welcome to a roof and. That's cool, man. Hey, car's got a roof. It's pretty high. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> it honestly was not that bad, man. You know, I, it's, it's we fine. get so it's attached to things that we yeah. think we need. Mm-hmm. I have a, a buddy that moved here from Washington, actually, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, he's working with a company and, and just really wanted to build his own business. Like that was his thing, and uh, but but made a lot of sacrifice. Knew he wanted to be in San Diego. Knew all this stuff, and actually did live in his car for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, but he looks back now, and that was that was years ago when he made that transition. And his company is probably on its way to, you know, it's it's very close now. To, it, it might already be worth like over a million dollars. Nice, you know, multi million dollar company. But nice. and when I first met him, he's just a cool guy, and he he reminds me something. I was like, yeah, when I met you, I was not in a good place, man. I was like living in my car, and he was like overweight a little bit and all this stuff. And now he's like in super good shape. He's nice. a you know, free divers. He was out there diving in the cove oh, all the cool. time, but yeah. super cool guy. Yeah. Just, we, 
I think it's better to figure that out now than when you're 50 yeah. and you're still at that soul sucking job yeah. and you're drinking yeah. every day and you're mm. like, like, you know, right. Like I had coworkers that were 10, 20 years older than me and I knew I didn't want to be like them. Mm-hmm. Like, man, your lives suck. <laughs> like they're talking about, well, Hey Mark, like what did you do this weekend? Like, I don't give a shit about any <laughs> of what they're talking about. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, I just, knew, I just knew. I just knew. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just knew I couldn't be like them, and that if I wanted to do some cool shit, I might as well just do it now. And I was like, and if I fall flat on my face, I'm like, um, you know, fuck it, I could just start over. So, you know, I felt like taking risk. Well, taking risks was the thing to do. You know, like this, like now. You know, yeah. and like you said, as opposed to when you're. 40 50 having a midlife crisis mm-hmm. buying a boat or whatever i don't know yeah you know? i feel like our likelihood of having midlife crises is a lot lower because we've had so many existential crises in our mid to early 20s you know <laughs> what i mean like i feel like i just kind of like burned through all the crises you know <laughs> i i feel you on that i have uh like some of my older friends are like yeah i think you got your midlife crises out of the way when you were like 23 and then again at 26 yeah. and then again yeah. at 30 yeah. like you just hit that thing and you're like i need a change yeah. you know whereas a lot of people will bury that yeah and, you look at anxiety and depression and all mm-hmm. this stuff now, and I think it was Jim Carrey that first kind of introduced the thought to me of like people get depressed because they're living these two separate lives. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, you know, you're giving so much energy to these things that you hate and you don't like. And there's a part of you that wants to do this thing or that thing. And, and when that disconnect is so big, that's where depression, it's like depressing mm-hmm. your soul or mm-hmm. you said aura. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's really true. That's mm-hmm. one of the, neat things about the last two years i mean not neat for some people but i've i've seen a whole group of people that i know or you just like you see on social media like Mm -hmm. you said that when they had all that time to sit around and go this sucks what am i going to do with my life they started a new hobby or they did something cool like someone introduced me to this guy online that has this he makes uh like wallets and and uh uh, fanny packs things like that but he hand makes everything and he's constantly backed up on orders you know like he could figure out a way to scale it but yeah that guy doesn't have to work at his corporate job that he hated anymore because he found this passion and people i think we're all you know pretty creative to an extent some people might say no i'd rather struggle with the math problem than you know something else but uh it's when you figure that out there's enough like uh economy and resources in the world for people to not do shit they hate like yeah. a lot of the stuff we don't need you know that yeah. people are doing just for money yeah no i mean like to, my, to like me, my job yeah <laughs> <laughs> and to, to me i feel like pretty much everything like all the all the essential businesses of the world could be done by part-time workers and everybody should be doing some kind of a passion project you know what i mean as much as that sounds like kind of a uh, uh, utopian Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty doable. You know what I mean? Like, the, like especially like office jobs and stuff. Like, you do not need an eight-hour shift, forty hours a week to do what these people are doing in offices. Like, that was kind of the big thing that I feel like we kind of recognized with with the whole COVID restrictions. Is mm-hmm. like everyone was working from home. They're working for about three hours, getting the same amount of work done, mm-hmm. and then they were also learning how to bake sourdough bread. You know? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like there were a bunch of other cool things that you could pick up yeah. because we all started realizing, like, oh. Now that my boss isn't over my shoulder and I'm having like click clack on a, on a keyboard to like impress that I'm doing something, you know, like the world could be a lot more efficient, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, yeah. I always wanted to do something that was like 
meetings for the sake of meetings. Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah, yeah. Especially with all like the the teleconferencing and zooming and stuff, I feel like it's just so silly how much we're flying around mm-hmm. the world, and so silly how much we're sitting in offices when you know all this stuff could be done for you know you wake up, bang out your job in three hours, and then go spend time with your kids or go to the gym. Or, you know, I think what happens for some people though is they don't uh, like what I notice working with a lot of people all over in different capacities, the work from home thing is some of them don't have the discipline, Yeah, which was really interesting. Like they could get their work done in three and a half, four hours, but instead they wake up and they watch the news or they, you know, do this or that. And then now it's noon and they haven't got the shit done Mm -hmm. they were supposed to do. And they're like, Oh, what do I do? Yeah. And so now they're stressed. They didn't get it done. And so you have to have that. I've seen some people, transition back to knowing that they need an office mm. at least a couple mm. times a week because yeah. they don't have the responsibility like self-accountability and responsibility which is unfortunate no i think that's fair i mean i like for for me i i notice like i always thrive the best under more scheduling like yeah. if, you, if i have a whole bunch of stuff to do today i will get that stuff done but if i have like one thing to do that only takes like 20 minutes I might not even get it done that day. You know, you know what I mean? Like, ah, it only take me 20 minutes. I can do it tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I always found like if I, if I had like a real schedule, that's why the gym has been so useful. Cause like I have to, there are only certain times when the classes are there. So if I need to get to that class, I'm going to, I'm going to get the shit done and then get out there and go to class. You know, the, the term I've heard for that is time compression, time compression. Like if you give yourself an unlimited amount of time to do things, you most likely won't get it all done. Uh-huh. But as soon as you have a deadline, uh-huh. all of a sudden you have that, like a little bit of time pressure, time yeah. compression and yeah. now it's getting done and you feel better because you're more focused. You show mm-hmm. up and do it. This guy's uh kill cliff kicked in because he yeah. ran to the rest and he was like, <laughs> he just snuck out. He's like, all right, this stuff's sweet though, man. Like I feel like I'm not, I'm not like, like cracky, you yeah. know. Uh, this is this is this is good stuff. Currently, not supposed to drink anything with like uh, fruit or citric acid in it, so mm. I haven't uh, had one of those in a long time. But uh, why is that? You doing with some kind of stomach acid thing? It, it, well, you're talking about like overtraining autoimmune mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. and so I got. I mean, I got cracked with. Uh, I don't. It could have been any combination of things. Like I overtrained, didn't recover enough. I. You know, I decided that when I got COVID, uh, probably the second time, you know, it didn't seem that bad the first couple of days. And mm-hmm. then I approached it like I have most things in my past. I'm like, let's work out through it and then hit the sauna. Mm-hmm. And then I found myself, and I think mentally, when I had it, what was really interesting is like there's, I, I realized looking back, there's a little bit of a disconnect between how I actually felt mm-hmm. and like the mental fortitude. Like when you're sick sometimes, mm-hmm. you're kind of like tuned out on some things. Yeah. And so usually I do like 20, 25 minutes in the sauna. Sometimes I go a lot longer if I'm like real, like feeling real good. And I know I'm super hydrated, but I was, so day one in the sauna for like 40, 45 minutes. And then day two, same thing, workout. And this is like, you're doing that post a workout. So while yeah. you're sick, yeah. Well, and that's the insane. Bro. I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna flush out the like, I'm gonna flush everything out. I don't I'm want chasing the demons from my body. That's <laughs> mentally, I'm pretty extreme sometimes, okay. and there's okay. a lot of times it's benefited me, like yeah. healing from injuries, things mm-hmm. like that, where I like refuse to give into certain things, and it's, it's actually been super beneficial. And yeah. there are times like this where you go looking back, like this was really dumb. <laughs> you don't realize until you get some outside perspective. Yeah, and I ended up sleeping for. Um, so it was like, I think Friday and Saturday morning when I did the workout sauna, Okay, like, like double doses of sauna too. Mm-hmm. And then from Saturday 
evening through Monday evening. I slept like 36 of 48. I've never slept like that in my life. Holy shit. Yeah, but... (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's that's like nearly a coma it was it kind of felt like, like I, I'd, I'd wake up and like just had the crazy headache yeah. I had friends bringing me food and everybody's okay. trying to take care of me which was yeah. cool and yeah. i would like try to talk to someone on my phone for 10 minutes and be mm-hmm. like yeah i'm still alive and then back asleep <laughs> and uh but like right around that time like all this stuff started creeping up where yeah. i noticed i was a little more sensitive to certain things mm. so like food sensitivities food sensitivities yeah i noticed you've been posting about that yeah. yeah. And what it what it turned out is like whatever during that time period, whether I actually got a staph infection mm-hmm. like right before I got COVID, mm-hmm. which might have even like weakened me to getting it type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um which is crazy. Like I was doing all the stuff you're supposed to do. You know, I've got like the defense wipes and like, you know, antifungal, antibacterial stuff, mm-hmm. like wiping down the car with Clorox, mm-hmm. like everything. Yeah. And uh just like one little spot that the, the I went to the doctor. I'm like, hey, is a staff? And they said no, and it definitely was because it spread and it was not cool. Yeah. Um. So it's just like the series of crap, and then afterwards, just was not not good for a while. Yeah. And it's really turned out to be um, mostly food. So my hmm. white blood cell count was pretty high. Yeah. Uh. And it's it's she said it's super super rare. Like I've done a bunch of different blood tests with different doctors, and I found a naturopath that's really really dialed in. And, uh, yeah, when she, it was funny, like sitting down to talk to her about it. Cause she was trying to warm me up to like prepare me for this terrible news. You know, she's like real smooth, real nice. And wanted to see how she didn't want to give me a death sentence. She wanted to see how I'd respond first. Sure. And she's like, yeah, it's fruit, Eric. Like it's all fruit. Your body is rejecting anything fruit related. And mm-hmm. when you start looking at ingredients, ton of stuff has coconut sugar now, mm-hmm. ton of stuff has coconut oil in it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things have citric acid. Hmm. Citric acid seems like it's used in so much stuff. It's a good preservative. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm, but as soon as I started just doing it, I don't know why it was so hard for me this time. I've done stuff like that in the past, like, you know, very simple extreme diets and it was fine. But this time it just took me a while to like, I think it was because I was forced to do it versus wanting to do mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as I got just on like meat and vegetables, mm-hmm. everything started changing again. So are you incorporating kind of carbohydrate? Or are you doing like a keto thing with this? Um, I mean, I'm, I guess there are. I mean, there's. I think I saw potatoes. A lot of carbs in meat. I haven't I haven't eaten the potatoes. Okay. They've been sitting there, and I'm like, wait, these have been here for a week. Should I eat these? I'm like nervous yeah, about. Fine. Cut, them them. cut the grain off. You're fine. Yeah, just a little cyanide. We'll kill potatoes. Barbecue though, man. I've just been barbecuing a lot. Noise. Vegetables, and then yeah. I I also find that uh, like protein. I got this goat whey protein. Hmm. Oh, and uh, my body's always responded well to protein, and I for a while I just went through this like I don't really need extra like stuff my body's fine but i started loading up on that like two sometimes three times a day mm-hmm. and uh it's like it's like night and day yeah super crazy yeah no the protein's a big one man i was definitely like i was definitely over consuming carbohydrates and under consuming protein for pretty much like all my childhood um so like now now as an adult that's kind of the thing that i noticed that i'll like uh those are the habits that i'll that i'll roll back to that i don't that, that i'm mm-hmm. trying to uh work away from but yeah on on like once i started consuming like an adequate amount of protein like 100 plus grams of protein 100 120 grams of protein a day dude it was it was amazing how much more my musculature look developed like i wasn't doing anything new mm-hmm. literally i might have even been training less and i was like oh dude i look shredded right now what the fuck's going on why i've always looked so puffy my whole life what the hell is this garbage you know yeah but yeah dude like i like i did i think it was just because i did carnivore for like a second and i was like well i feel like garbage doing this but i'm gonna keep eating this much meat <laughs> so, <laughs> so i just kept like i started eating more like steaks and stuff and 
Um, yeah, usually like eggs are like one of my big protein sources, just because eggs like the the perfect protein source. But it's also a lot of fat. So but during during weight camps, I can't or during during fight uh, camps, I can't really eat as much of it. Yeah, that really, I eat a lot of eggs. See, during gonna, a fight camp, a lot, fat, there's a lot of but it but it depends. So there's like different kinds of fat too, and there's also with eggs because that's become something that more and more people are sensitive of. But really? It depends on where you get your egg. So like right. if you get an egg and the the yolk is really yellow, mm-hmm. like that's coming from a chicken that garbage chicken that might eats have, corn all day. Yeah, you yeah. want that like bright orange yeah. looking yolk. Yeah. In Japan, and you can get them. Yeah, in Japan yeah. they have they have a they have eggs that the the normal eggs that you buy at the grocery store. It's not like some special pasture raised like whatever that mm-hmm. we got over here. They're just normal Japanese eggs and the yolk will be so orange and like a bright orange, yeah. you know, like you a dark, like a dark orange. Yeah, you know, like the eggs and the milk. I always yeah. in Japan tastes way different. Than eggs, America, milk, way wheat, different. pretty much everywhere else in the world, other than the United States, is so much different. Our, our and food cows. supply is like it just feels like it's poisoned at this point. Yeah, like it just feels well, the animals so, are being poisoned. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're they're eating yeah. shit that they're they're eating shit that creates a yield. And that's literally the only result that they're looking at. We're not looking at creating health in our livestock. We're not really even looking at creating health in our plants. It's just looking for yield, you know? And like, this is the result of yeah. yield. You know what I mean? It's like everybody's got some kind of like a minor autoimmune to a major autoimmune condition, you know? And, uh, but it was interesting that you said you were having goat whey. Cause I know that goat, uh, animal protein is smaller and easier to digest than mm. the cow animal protein that we that we have in the states so that was really interesting because i know like some people do like a like a hydrolyzed way so like all the amino acids are broken down to like their all the all the proteins are broken down to their amino acid constituents uh, and that makes it a lot easier to digest but goat's a pretty interesting idea where are you getting it from yeah there's this company that was and this is naturopath like turned me into all okay. this stuff because i and the weird part with protein is like in my 20s i was super into like weightlifting mm-hmm. and consumed a lot of protein like my whole lifestyle was really geared around making sure like that was a big part of it and then jumping into like corporate business stuff it just kind of i felt like it was extra time and extra things like that and kind of got away from it so it's neat to shift back into it but uh there's a company that was based out of socal i think it was like encinitas or something where it started called raw revelations and they their operation got so big they went up to Oregon or someplace where they okay. could just grow more yeah i've got it here i'll show you but okay. they have some really cool stuff too like when you talk about you're talking about your liver earlier mm-hmm. when you train a lot you know your bilirubin and things build up in your liver and mm-hmm. kidneys mm-hmm. there's a, a bark from a tree uh, like a brazilian tree it's called the like pau de arco p-a-u-d-o-a-c-o or something like okay. that got a couple bags it's super cheap it's like okay. seven eight dollars um, and you can put it in water, put it in your tea, but it's super good for cleansing. Hmm. Uh, really helps like uh, skin and stuff like that. Cause your, your skin, like this is one thing I was thinking a lot about too, or learning a lot about, like when your skin breaks out, it seems to happen a lot in, you know, people that are in the gym a lot. Oh, yes. A lot of that comes from uh, liver too. Hmm. So, but it's, yeah. it's one of those things I think down the road, it might start getting really expensive because a lot of people aren't using it, but it's a simple tree bark. How to account. Yeah. Uh, with the word pow, by the way, if you know yeah. anybody's Brazilian, be careful with that one. It means wood, which, uh, as you <laughs> got it. Yeah, got it's. It. Uh, I learned that the hard way. <laughs> I speak, the I speak hard way, huh? Portuguese. Oh, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> no pun intended. Nice pickup. All right. Yeah. Do you? I, I do. So I speak some Brazilian. Port- no, I lived in Brazil for a little bit. Oh shit! Okay, and, that's tight. Uh, 
I was at, a, I think I probably told the story so many times on this damn podcast, though, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, so, was that a re- like, do you remember Woody Woodpecker? Uh huh. So, when I was learning, people w- were trying to teach me like some slang terms and stuff. And that's a really popular cartoon in, in Brazil or what? Woody the Woodpecker? Woody the Woodpecker, that's yeah. I know. <laughs> right? Uh, okay. uh, 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 do you know Woody Woodpecker? No idea. Uh, we're going to have to. Uh, uh, I need like a Jamie. Like, Jamie, pull that up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jamie, you can pull, pull up Woody, Woody the Woodpecker. Woodpecker. Um, it's like this uh, this cartoon from probably, I mean, it was an old cartoon Early, too. Yeah. It was yeah. like the like, like 70s a, or something. He's a woodpecker and he just, you know, he runs around doing, he's like, just causes chaos all the time, just mischief and he has this laugh. Uh, 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 uh. and it's like a, a very infamous that was pretty close right an infamous yeah, laugh. The yeah, yeah okay yeah they're the maybe not the, the intensity but uh, it's really loud when he does yeah, it that's true and so yeah i'm over there and i'm like on this island and you know the kids are watching that and then someone's just telling me like oh yeah like you know wood and so like we use wood as a slang term mm-hmm. here they also you know it's culturally same thing interesting and uh and the word for for bread is uh, and I'm hopefully not going to say dick in Portuguese again, <laughs> but it's it's like a like an old sound. So it's pão 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 is like the word for bread. It's okay. a pão kind of sound, really close to pão. Yeah. And so when they told me like just make sure you don't say pão, I just like that's what stuck in my head. You yeah. know, like all right. So every time I get an ask for bread, I'm like, don't say dick. I don't want dick. dick. I, just, <laughs> I just want bread. <laughs> and uh, that's we're. Hilarious. <laughs> We're at this restaurant. I don't know. There's probably like eight people, like four on that side, four on this side. We're all having dinner and the oh, no. waiter comes over and, you know, you guys want anything? No, we're good. And he starts walking away. And I look at the bread basket. I'm like, oh, we're out of bread. So I yell at the waiter, like, excuse me. Like, uh, get on my chapeau, por favor. <laughs> just yell it across the restaurant. Yeah. Half my friends are just like, what the fuck, dude? And the other half are laughing. The waiter's just staring like, that's not on the menu. <laughs> and uh, eventually... Well, we someone, can put it on. Someone saved me. Like, yeah, he means cheese bread. Pow. Like, we want some more cheese bread. So, Pow. so be careful Pow. when you ask for it if you're asking like an actual Brazilian person. Okay. Yeah. Noted. <laughs> wow. But uh, just tree bark. So and I, I got a couple bags. I might just give you one and right. way out if you guys want some. Dude, so. I'm going down and try yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. But it's... It's cool. The other thing is milk, right? You talk about mm-hmm. milk. Like in the U.S., it's interesting. Like the milk has to be refrigerated, mm-hmm. but it's not. Is it like that in Japan? I we refrigerate milk in Japan. Yeah, okay. yeah, like, but it tastes different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. we do all this extra stuff to it, but like in Brazil, you can get box milk, mm-hmm. and it's on the shelf. Mm-hmm. So my oh, friends come really? visit. They're like, "Where's the milk?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's refrigerated." They're like, why is it refrigerated? Because yeah. you can, and it'll just sit there. I mean, it still has like an expiration date, but it doesn't need, there's not stuff in it that yeah. makes it. And you, if you think about how long we've been milking cows and how new refrigeration is, mm-hmm. like it kind of makes sense, right? Uh, I mean, I think originally we were drinking milk a lot fresher too. Like it was, you know, raw, raw milk was like not a concept. Everyone's just like, oh, it's milk. It's, you yeah. know, there's no, there's no such thing as raw milk. It's, there's milk that comes out of a cow or a goat straight or a sheep or whatever. Tit. Yeah, straight from the teat, man. Like it's supposed to be, yeah. <laughs> trying to get my milk that way. But hey, how are you guys doing on time, by the way? Because I know you've got work and stuff like that. Do, so. Oh, we're doing fine. Yeah, yeah. I got to be, I got to be in Point Loma at like 1230 or something like okay. that. But yeah. 1130. So. Okay. Yeah, we're chilling. So, um, 
Take back to fighting a little bit. Mm. I mean, is there anything that you guys just in particular you were like excited or just want to talk about in general for fighting? I'm mean, just in, in anything, uh, dude. Honestly, I'm re- I'm ready to get back to fighting, man. I mean, it's been, it, me me and Leonard have both been like kind of out of training for a little bit. Him because mm-hmm. of an eye issue, and I actually had a, a bacterial infection on my face, so I've been out for a little bit with that. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, like I uh, I got knocked out real bad in my last Muay Thai fight, so for me, I need I need like a I need time to like build back my confidence to get back in there. Um, but I'm really looking forward to doing that, you know, and then now I'm living with this guy. We're, we're going to be holding each other more accountable and then making sure that the training is a lot more streamlined and, and nutrition and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking forward to getting back to training. I know this guy feels exactly the same way. He's probably more antsy about it than I am. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of enjoying doing nothing for a little bit too, <laughs> though. Not going to lie. It's, it's been a while for him. It's kind of good. <laughs> I think there's a lot of stuff like what I'm realizing the more I'm learning about fighters and fighting and, and with my like my world kind of outside of fighting, whether it's you know, having a lot of friends like well, my friend that came over on Friday to the podcast, like we're really good friends. Uh, and he's just like he's like a fitness guru. Mm. You know, the guy's like really good with mobility mm-hmm. Uh, if you got a shoulder problem, like he's got some stuff that'll fix that real fast. And it's just, it's like certain movements. And, uh, he actually helped, uh, when Galvo, Andre Galvo, like was building autos, like he mm. helped them with their original, like setting up their, like how to train and, and exercise for jujitsu, like mm. that whole program. I know yeah. he did a lot with Clark Gracie here early on too. Um, but there's all these things like outside of it that are not always super intense or whether it's mental, like you're talking about, you know, rebuilding that confidence from a knockout. There's mm-hmm. stuff called neuro-linguistic programming. There's mm-hmm. all these little tools that I feel like haven't been, they haven't been entrenched into the fight world yet, Yeah, but they can really help people level up. There's this guy, I don't know if you're seeing him on Instagram, named Dom the Hypnotist. Mm-hmm. No. Super cool dude. I did a little bit of, <clears throat> I did a little bit of work with him uh just like life work because he's a you know even though it says hypnotist and that's what he does it's uh there's something called neuro-linguistic programming which is the foundation for that Mm -hmm. and there's ways to wire your mind whether whether it's for better habits or if you think about earlier you were talking about the uh Mm -hmm. you know the philippine fighter and i just had this like image it felt like a movie you know as you were describing it i was like oh that seems so cool i was just sitting back imagining it Mm. And we all have these movies that play in our head. Well, you can take something like neuro-linguistic programming, go back to an event like getting knocked out, and then you can alter that movie in your mind. You hmm. know, you don't. It's kind of dangerous in a way that most people don't. You don't want to eliminate all of your bad experiences because sure. there's things you learn out of that. Mm-hmm. But like, I think about something that I didn't realize was impacting me a long time ago. And I started playing around with this stuff and some of it was self-taught, which is also very dangerous, but, uh, you go back and you start to play it in your mind, like a movie. And then you start tweaking it a little bit. Like Hmm. you turn the volume up, you Mm -hmm. turn the volume down, you change the color of it. Like you give, if there's a bad guy in the scene, you give them a squeaky voice and now you're laughing at Hmm. them. Right. Hmm. So you can take these traumatic moments or, painful moments and you can adjust them in a way that gives you new perspective hmm. that's just one component of it but there's a lot of really crazy tools like that that i think um really can benefit fighters whether it's fitness 
you know, things that are like all this stuff, these steel maces, they call that unconventional training mm-hmm. or, or the mental aspect too. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I think, I think the sport's going to adopt a lot of stuff. Cause I mean, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of avant-garde thinking going into fighting at this point, but there's also an old guard, you know, and there's like a lot like, you know, like we got like at our gym, we got like Bill and I mean, all they, they've been around before MMA was like even a thing, you know? And, uh, I feel like the sport is kind of waiting for most of those guys to like not be as involved, you know what I mean? To really let like all that stuff, you know, cause like if you look at like the higher, higher levels of stuff, they're using that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They're using hypnosis. They're using, uh, advanced nutritional therapies. They're using, you know, I, I freaking saw TJ Dillashaw in a freaking, do you, you know what I'm talking about? Where he's in that weird, like thing that spins him around. What? Mm. There's like a, it's like a, he went to like a brain center and they had this like thing where it looked like, not like the centrifuge where they just like literally spin you, but it like, it like inverts you and then turns you while you're inverted and then swings you around. Like it does like a whole bunch of really weird Get motions. The fuck out of here. Yeah. What's that supposed to do? <laughs> you're supposed to keep your eyes locked on something and it just makes it really hard for you to keep your eyes locked on what you're supposed to be looking at. And it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's wire, wiring your, your brain to, to handle, um, being rocked, I guess to handle being rocked. I don't know. I always just right, wanted fine. to do more dizzy sparring. We need to do more drills like that and stuff. A lot of gyms do that, but you can just like spin around a whole bunch and then you try to grapple somebody or, or like huh. go through a combo in a bag or something like that. I don't know how well it really simulates being rocked. I feel like every time I've been kind of like rocked, it's not very dizzying. It's more like, um, it feels to me more like there's less sensory input coming in. Hmm. Like it kind of feels numbing. If that makes sense, kind of like in a, in a movie when an explosion goes off and then it's like, it's that kind of thing. It's that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Would you agree with that? I think so. Yeah, that, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. It just kind of seems like you know, like I feel like my vision was a little bit more tunneled. I wasn't hearing a damn thing, which is kind of a common trope for me. I've, one of my big things is I'm trying to listen to corners better when I get in there. Mm. Um, but uh, but yeah, like I couldn't hear anything. My vision was like really tunneled. And then you kind of like notice as you come out of it, you're like, ah, there's a lot more going on than I just was recognizing, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I'd I'd like to use like a new technology to to like improve my ability to handle that kind of stuff. With the eye movement too, I'll I'll share, I can send you guys some stuff after this. There's a guy, really cool guy. He's like young dude, super, super smart, but he does uh, a lot of this eye movement training. Mm -hmm. And what he uses it for is for injury healing, Mm And the like nervous system stuff. Mm-hmm. So like even just these, and you've seen fighters do this now with some of the like tennis ball stuff or things like that. Mm-hmm. Again, if you like watch embedded, they'll give you little previews in there. Leonard hates the tennis ball stuff. <laughs> it's some of it's super. There's and there's other ways to do it, but yeah. training your eyes. I I don't know if this is true or not, but it sounded cool when I read it, mm-hmm. and it said that your eye, the way you develop, you know, in, in the womb, and as you know that progresses, is that the eye is actually an extension of your brain. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people say, like, I can see your soul in your eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Well, really, I mean, it, it's kind of like a, if you are what your habits are, like a, a window to the soul is technically a window into what the heck is happening in your brain. Yeah. And so certain eye movement training uh, helps heal some things neurologically, create some new pathways, fix some old ones. So he does all kinds of very simple eye stuff that can help heal injuries, help with stress response, resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just messaging me about like vagus nerve stuff. You know, mm-hmm. when you have autoimmune things like that, yeah. uh, a lot of that can be tied to the vagus nerve. Mm-hmm. And even if you get a 1% improvement, that's a massive jump for a lot of people. Yeah. So uh, it's not always the most fun stuff to do. No, it's super boring, but it's super important. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, or I mean, I like that, that sounds pretty interesting. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah. right. If you're like talking well, about it's one thing, and doing the drills is different, <laughs> no, dude. Because no. I, I got into this stuff too. Like when I was when I was I went home at the beginning of the pandemic for a little bit. For, I don't know, like a year, um, and uh, I was creating like a course just for myself for like a concussion protocols, like prevention um, and recovery. And I got into a whole bunch of stuff with the with the vestibular system with the, and with the visual system and kind of like how to train them together. And, and uh, it's interesting, like going through that, like how many different things it affects, like your neck health is a really big one. So you're talking about how your, your neck oh, got cranked man. up. It's a uh, it's you can you can like literally improve the mobility of your neck without moving your neck, but you moving your eyes. Yeah. Like if you if it's, wait, it's, wait, wait, what so, you wait. can you can improve mm-hmm. the mobility of your neck just by moving your eyes around. Because because your your okay so your neck muscles your eyes and your vestibular system create a triangle of stimulus that helps orient you in space so like uh, really like an easy drill you can do is like you can look forward keep your eyes on something turn your head from side to side while keeping your eyes on the same thing it's called the uh, VOR vestibular ocular reflex um, and just training that reflex makes it easier for you to like lock on targets and like keep your eye on moving targets and but it also like if you do it for long enough eventually like your like my neck warms up and like i feel really like loose and like i can increase my range of motion by doing stuff like that um Mm -hmm. and you can also like if you put your hands on like the back of your skull like just underneath the, the base of your skull and you look from side to side you can actually feel muscles in your neck activate because your brain is prepping your head to turn where your eyes are looking so your eyes look this way and then these muscles in your neck start to activate because you're getting ready to to flip your head and look in that direction. Mm-hmm. So like, it's really, it's really interesting, like tying all those, those three systems together. Um, and it's like a big thing that I'm looking to do as a part of like my getting back into camp readiness. Cause I didn't, the, the, the kick that knocked me out, I didn't see it all. Mm. And if you can't brace for impact, the likelihood of you taking, uh, receiving a concussive blow or getting knocked unconscious, like goes up like, like hundreds of percent. Yeah. I've been knocked out once and I just didn't see it. Yeah, it's, it's from the side. Yeah, this is on the street or yeah, in the gym. So it was like in a park. <laughs> oh fuck, man! I haven't knocked on the gym yet. Thankfully, it was just trying to keep it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was kind of like a surprise. It was a put myself in a in a bad position. It was I really took responsibility for it. At the end of the day, I just wasn't paying attention to a lot of signs. The heydays, but uh, that that changed me for a while. Actually, after. That instance, I had some buddies waiting for me back in the car, and it was like late at night. And I was just kind of doing some stuff, and then went back and doing some stuff. Okay, came back, and they're you know they're like, uh, you don't look so good. You know, left side of my face is like swollen, and they're like, oh, we gotta chase these guys down, or whatever, blah blah blah. And yeah, it's like it's my fault, put myself in this position. Word. But I, I sat on it for a while. This is kind of what led to all the bar fights and street fights me being crazy was i was like i will never get sucker punched again so mm. anytime i got in a like slightly agitated intense time i would just start hitting the first hands yeah, yeah. yeah and that was not a good way to live for a while i mean it was exciting <laughs> but yeah hey, it's better than getting sucker punched i think but yeah avoiding both situations is probably the best absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. My, my grandma you know i Love her sage wisdom. I feel like it's sunk in more for me in the last couple of years. Like she's saying, nothing good happens after midnight. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, come on, grandma, all the good stuff happens after midnight. <laughs> it's like looking back, it's like, not really. Yeah, that's right. True. Yeah. Up until midnight, a lot of great stuff happens. And then after midnight, that's generally when everybody's at their worst. Yeah. You know, <laughs> everybody should have been asleep two hours ago. And it's mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I was a bouncer at this place in Reno. Okay. 
and it was uh like it was a place where everybody came after the other clubs and places mm. would close down because we're open to like 4 30 or some okay. god awful time yeah. and i mean you want to talk about just a shit show every night like people aren't going there because they're in a good mood and like yeah. let's have some fun yeah so. it's like trying to they're trying to get back the night and you yeah. never will the only way you get back the night if you sleep and wake up the next day. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not good. Speaking of sleep, cause you guys mentioned something earlier about sleep and recovery. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it's one of those things like I, yesterday, cause I was like, okay, I want to force myself to get extra sleep and I'm not a person that sleeps, you know, nine hours. Mm-hmm. Like for me, seven hours is a, a fool that feels great. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then it's usually like six to seven hours. Mm-hmm. I've been like that for a long time. It's yeah. always been pretty great, but I, was talking to someone and I, they reminded me, they're like, Oh, you know, you can just make this little cocktail. And, uh, and I heard, I think it was Glover Teixeira talked about forcing himself to sleep like 10 to 12 hours at his age mm. in order to prepare to be a champion. Like yeah. he's like, I have to force myself into recovery. Mm. He's like, he's said, it's mentally hard to make myself sleep that long yeah. or to even be in bed that long. Yeah. Uh, a lot of us have that, like, you know, want to get up and do shit. So I, yesterday I did, there's different ways to do this, but I did uh, some like raw ginger, which okay. really sucks to cut up, you know, but I actually used a, uh, like a cheese grater. Yes. And I was yeah, like, yeah. this is so much easier. Mm-hmm. I just like cheese grated all the skin off of it uh-huh. and then chunked oh. it up. Yeah. yeah. Like I'd never thought of that before. I'm yeah. like, this is so much easier. Yeah. And then uh, people who do it all the time are like, bozo. Like, how do you not know that? <laughs> Wait, you know what? I think my mom does that. Smart. Yeah. Took I, me, you know what? You're right. Took me 37 years to figure it out, but <laughs> man. Uh, if so, this made the ginger thing really easy. Threw some ginger, uh, then threw actually threw ginger powder just to make sure. I'm like, I don't know how else it's gonna soak. So a little extra ginger powder, and then some like turmeric, okay. you know, which we hear a lot about uh-huh. for like sleep stuff. Yeah, I threw this magnesium powder in there. <laughs> I love magnesium. Powder. Oh yeah. And what then, are you using? Just like calm or yeah, the calm. The I still, calm. I've yeah, me had too. that. Okay, I've had that up in the. I haven't used it in so long. I mean, I just it's forgot amazing. about it. It's super good. Yeah. And then I threw this uh om like om mushroom powder yeah Yeah, through that and it has like the ashwanda Mm -hmm. all that stuff Mm -hmm. and then hot water hemp milk i think that was everything i wrote it down that sounds like a pretty earthy brew yeah it does dude i don't go for taste obviously (laughs) i don't i actually don't have the taste buds for bitter so i'm very fortunate you literally can't taste bitter never tasted like it doesn't like that gene is turned off which i gotta make him i gotta make you some bitter melon yeah dude bitter melon you could fucking dome some goya goya. yeah yeah yeah. okay it's like our it's like our uh regional plant vegetable thing okay it's supposed to be very good a lot of people attribute the uh the uh high percentage of octanarians and centenarians out in okinawa to that plant hook it up yeah. Root up, but it's very this. bitter, so people a lot of people hate it. Yeah, if you can eat it, man. Yeah, I, probably I didn't realize like drinking, you know, like in my teenage days or even early twenties, like I could chug beer a lot, uh-huh. and I wouldn't understand people like, oh, this is like doesn't taste good. I'm like, yeah. what are you talking about? Just chugging triple IPAs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, awesome. Uh, that shit that knocked me out last night. Yeah, I went to bed and like. uh like usually I'll just wake up at the same time no matter what. Even if I go to bed late, my body's just used to waking up at a certain time. Yeah, yeah. And I mean it was rolling around eight o'clock and I'm like, fuck, I gotta get to bed. Like, these guys are gonna be over this podcast. Mm-hmm. But uh 
it's it's good like to force yourself i think at least once in a while whether it's something like that and you don't want to do like sleeping pills or something like that but to force that recovery i think magnesium is a good idea for anybody especially athletes i think a lot of people don't realize how hard it is to replace the amount of magnesium that you lose during exercise or utilize you know it's not like you're going to sweat like magnesium isn't one of the main minerals that gets sweated out of you Mm -hmm. it's it well it is but it's not you know it's not like sodium or potassium like you lose that out of your body like really really fast but i feel like a lot of athletes don't end up replacing magnesium and like, I feel like it's one of the main things that like kind of requires supplementation for athletes or just high sweaters. Huh. I take the, uh, like the on it key minerals. Okay. Daily. Okay. And it has some magnesium, but I, I just recently learned, in fact, this stuff's pretty, I haven't taken this yet. Um, this girl that I've seen a couple of times, she's really cool. She's the one that came to the event. I don't know if you saw her. I didn't uh, know. I didn't see you came on, with on Friday, but, uh, um, she's like worked at Google and Facebook and LinkedIn. Like she's a, you know, high level, like tech engineer. Mm-hmm. She said, that's really, really oh, popular. Methylene blue. Yeah. Oh, okay. you've heard of that. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, but she was telling me that there's like five different types of magnesium too. Uh-huh. So oh, it's not, not just about one. Yeah. So there's not, a, there's a company name. named Symbiotica. They're actually out of here in San, in San Diego that makes a, a magnesium three and eight, uh, supplement. And apparently this f- particular form of magnesium, uh, is found in the brain more often. And he's, that really picks that up, huh? Yeah, we're, yeah. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, the, the <laughs> magnesium 3 and 8 is supposed to be like, they, they did a few like studies, I think, in the NIH where they like had people take this particular type and they, they found that like 60% of it would end up in your brain. Hmm. So I, I, you know, after coming back from doing all this like concussion research, I was just trying to like figure out what things I need to be taking for, for brain health. And I'm, I was trying to like, kind of like push the envelope a little bit and I was making a whole bunch of money at my surveying job for a little bit. So I was just fucking, these symbiotica supplements are so fucking expensive. I need to talk, I need to talk with them about a sponsorship at some point. Cause I really want to keep taking them cause I felt great. Um, but, but it's really, really pricey, but yeah, so yeah, there are a lot of different forms of, of magnesium and I guess they, kind of perform different functions you know and the three and eight one i I found was really useful for sleep i was taking that kind of like a few hours before bed and i was conking out i need to check that out because i i was really avoiding of anything that helps with sleep because i tried like melatonin when i was a bouncer actually i I had a day job and then i would force myself to sleep and then go do that at night Mm -hmm. and the melatonin i find it messes with my mood i don't feel right also learned since and it's really bad for hormones mm-hmm. so you should just complete like nobody should be taking melatonin yeah. apparently yeah it's 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 a it's not something to supplement i mean yeah. like you can i think if you like a couple times a year if you're like man i just can't like go to sleep yeah yeah, yeah it could be a good way to like kind of like reset your rhythms but like your body's supposed to make that shit <laughs> so yeah. so if you throw it in there and then you have all these receptors that are saying no, no, you're good. We have, we have the, whatever set level of, of, uh, of melatonin that we needed for the night. I'm not going to make any now. Mm. And then now you're waking up in the middle of the night and you're like, oh, why am I awake See, right that's now? what happened to me. It was wake me instead of like some people take it and they can sleep for eight, nine, 10 hours, mm-hmm. like three, like one or two sleep cycles. And I would wake up and be mm-hmm. like, fuck. Yeah. I'm awake. Yep. So it would help me fall asleep but not stay asleep. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was taking it uh, when I, when I was dealing with insomnia, I was taking it to go to sleep. I was taking melatonin with, I can't remember what it was a horribly tasting, really, really gross tincture. Um, shoot. I can't remember what it was, but uh, yeah, I was taking those together and like, it was putting me to sleep, but the sleep was terrible. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, yeah, man, got seven and a half hours of sleep. And then I'd wake up just like, God, I might as well have gotten a good three, mm-hmm. you know, like this, like it feels, it feels like I didn't even go to sleep, you know? 
Um, but yeah, no, I, yeah, the, the sleep sleep quantity is different than sleep quality. Yeah, and that's a really hard thing to to deal with. I feel yeah. like, yeah, especially because you you want to do things like exercise and work out, but then you know with what you guys do, it's a little more beyond the going for a walk. Yeah. So you have to replenish and get sleep. Yes. So what's I mean, what, what do you, what's really next for both of you? What do you guys see as, you know, what's exciting right now? What's exciting to come? What do you, what do you like to do? What's going to happen? Team's got a lot of fights coming up. So, uh, we're, uh, Nadine's fighting in Long Beach for a Bellator. That's going to be awesome. Um, after that, I think we have Alan and Alec fighting in, in Epic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we, the, the team's got a lot of fights coming up. Uh, I feel like we personally don't have anything. We don't have anything coming up. Our, 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 our next thing is just, uh, getting back into some kind of a rhythm. And like that's really what I'm looking forward to at this point. I'm just I'm really really excited to get into a rhythm again because I had I had somewhat of a rhythm um, coming up to that last Muay Thai fight, but it didn't include enough training, and it didn't you know, and I wasn't sleeping well enough, you know. Mm-hmm. So now I'm just really looking to kind of like create a rhythm that's going to make it so that I can really get down with my training and uh, and then eventually, hopefully next year, you guys will be hearing about fight news. Okay, <laughs> or or earlier. We'll and you, you're fighting with a promotion, right? You, you were? I, yeah, all my MMA fights I've done with Epic. With Epic, uh-huh. okay. So, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming I'll do some more with them, but Manola really wants me to fight in Mexico and fight on the res before we go pro. Um, so I'm not at all looking forward to fighting <laughs> either of those locations. But <laughs> Really, I've, I've always wanted to fight in Mexico. Well, Mexico sounds cooler than Gladiator Challenge. I really don't want to do Gladiator Challenge. That shit's such a shit show. I just do not want to get herpes mm. or uh, hep C from some some bum that they found in Compton to drive out to get his ass kicked by people that actually train. You so. mean you expect us to believe that you don't already have herpes? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like 70% of the population does, and supposedly this stuff is like antiviral, too. I, I just started learning about this, but that methyl in blue. Yeah. That's what's in there, right? Yeah, methylene yeah. blue. Uh, like, I, was, I haven't taken this yet. She just gave it to me because she was talking about it. And uh, she said that, I think I messed up the packaging. Yeah, I got There's a couple <laughs> still survived in there, but oh, no. that one got smashed. I was trying to figure out how to open it. Like, <laughs> apparently you already, you know, it's supposed to give you a brain boost. I think you, I needed a brain boost before, before you open the <laughs> trying to figure out how to open it because it had all kinds of, like, stuff on it. But... Um, yeah. It's like high antiviral, like supposed huh. to be actually really good for you. Interesting, in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah. I'm one of those people. I feel like anytime you're you're adding something to your life that's gonna push you further, you know, like people are really into pre workouts. You're you're still taxing your body a little bit more, so you need yeah. to regenerate that. But that is a little. I think that happened. I didn't go to the last, the most recent gladiator challenge, but the one the one before. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it did it did seem like that's what happens like they just pull people out of somewhere with no fight experience like hey we're just trying to get you know some fights in here first. they have kind of regulars too like i taped up this guy uh I, I, this is my first time doing anybody's anybody's raps for before a fight terrible job by the way um but 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 we sent this guy out there and i see him every time we've gone his name's eugene he's a really nice guy a very hood dude though and like he just, he just shows up to these events, and I think he gets paid. I think he's just all of his fights have been pro. Yeah. He just shows up, makes like five hundred bucks, kind of gets beat up a little bit, and then goes home. You know, and like it's it's kind of like a thing for these guys. You know, like if you if you aren't like doing this like with any intent of like taking it to another level, mm. a lot of these guys are just content to bucks. come in there, get beat up, get 500 bucks, go buy your crack or whatever the hell you're fighting for. You know, and then <laughs> Eugene, if you're listening, we're not. 
saying that you're no, smoking crack no, after you, your fights. You, but... Eugene actually looks like probably <laughs> he looks like one of the more healthy guys out there. But you okay. could definitely tell there's some crackies out there. Some yeah, crackies. some crackies. I mean, it's there was one crackies. guy that I someone told me after it, he had like no fight experience. Yeah. And they literally just said, "Hey, please come. Like, we just need a body in there mm-hmm. for a few minutes." No, that's what like, it is, man. Their bodies. Yeah, and like that's why you see all these fights that last like 15 seconds because <laughs> they're like dudes that have never really gotten hit before, mm. and then they get smacked in the face, and they're like, "Oh, this is terrible!" And then they fall to the floor, and then it's over, you know. And that's yeah. kind of the that's kind of the nice part. Like, I, I always feel bad for people that are like super tough, like Leonard, because he can just take more abuse than his body's supposed to take, you know, just on the uh, by nature of like, ah, I'm fine, you know. Man. Mental toughness. Yeah, yeah. Hey, some of those, uh, some of those crackhead dudes will surprise you, though. Oh, that's one hundred percent. The guy that <laughs> fought Mooch. Around. Yeah, they'll the guy fuck that fought Mooch almost fucking got him in a guillotine, man. He's, he knows knows mm. a thing or two, you know. They'll fuck around and almost win. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of the fun part about Gladiator Challenge is like it's it's a street fight. It is the most chaos. It's the most chaos you can have mm. in MMA. Like at the once you start going up higher and higher, there's a way less surprises. You know, it's like this guy's supposed to win. He's the higher seated guy or he's the up and comer. He's supposed to beat the old guy. You know what I mean? But if these gladiator challenge fights, it's like, well, we got a D1 college wrestler versus a crackhead that weighs 120 pounds. You know, you know, you know what I mean? And then the crackhead will head kick him. You know what I mean? Like crazy, crazy shit will happen, you know? So uh, it's fun. I just don't want to be a part of it in that way. <laughs> I'm happy yeah, cornering people, taping people. Mexico. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's this, uh, this kid on Instagram. I don't know what it was. Like I, I posted something and he commented on it and for whatever reason, it's like, I'm going to check out what he's got going uh-huh. on. And he's got all these um, training videos. And he's got to be, I don't know, 15, 16, okay. like young dude. But he, you can tell he's in, a, you know, he's in a spot where there's not, he's not close to any, like, I, I thought basically anywhere in the U.S. for the most part, like you were going to find an MMA gym within a reasonable amount or just someplace to train because he's in yeah. Florida too. And there's okay. nothing within like a 40 minute drive just because he's like in deep. Florida? I know it was crazy. I started talking to him a little bit, yeah. and he's like posting videos of him, like training on a tree and just like like punching trees and yeah. just. But you could tell, like I'm watching his videos, and I don't know where if he's just learning from watching YouTube or from yeah. watching these things. But he's getting better and better and better. So when I hear something like that, I'm like, this is a kid that, you know, by the time he's 18 or whatever, might actually be pretty good without yeah. a lot of combat experience because. Yeah technique is getting better people are starting to comment on his post more cool. and give him some feedback yeah and, yeah and he's open to it so i've like talked to him a few times just because it seems like a, it's just really interesting watching that evolution like this is a kid that might show up at gladiator challenge yeah. and whoop someone's ass and you're like, right. yeah what the heck yeah. the, the big thing though is that like if you don't have a team you have no sparring experience you know yeah. what i mean like you can look amazing on a bag or on a tree or whatever the hell yeah. it is that you're hitting and then it's way different once you when get somebody's hit. trying to hit you yeah you know what i mean like like i remember like originally when i first started doing this stuff i could look real nice on pads mm-hmm. or on a heavy bag or something and then none of that stuff would happen in a sparring mm-hmm. match you know what i mean and it's still the case i mean there's tons of stuff that i that i practice all the time that i've never been able to do in sparring you know what I mean? Like we're working on like we've been doing Muay Thai fights over on elbows and stuff like that with an elbows left and right, man. Hmm. It's way harder to hit somebody that doesn't want to ha- doesn't want to eat an mm-hmm. elbow. You know what I mean? like, yeah, yeah. But that's dope, though. I'll have, yeah. I'll have to check that kid out. Philip the fighter, I think, is his name. I'll, I'll send his. Uh, yeah, I got like a whole list now. Yeah, after yeah. This. Shout out to Philip. Yeah. <laughs> <Shouts out laughs> there you go, man. Haven't even gone. You know, haven't made a big time, but already yeah. getting the shot. He's. We, we've exchanged a lot of messages because cool. I was talking about some stuff, trying to get him, trying to get him somewhere. I was like, because he's really into it. And you can know, it just seems like a like I know what it's. He looks like he's probably not 
you know, he's like living in the hood somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, I know what that feels like to, you don't really get now with social media, you can get outside perspective Mm -hmm. or see that there's like a better way to live or things like that. Um, but that wasn't always the case. You were just kind of trapped in a, you know, four by four block square radius and go, Oh, this is life. Sometimes that sounds nice though. You know, it's kind of crazy. Like how much FOMO that you have to deal with now, like Mm -hmm. looking like, Oh, there's like, there are so many different things that I could be doing out here. You know what I mean? And that's actually one of the things like with, with fighting that I've been like, Oh, you know, man, like I could, there, there are like a bunch of different things I could do with my life. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and it makes it so that like, I have to constantly like readdress like why I'm doing this. You know what I mean? So like, that's why like I have the good like elevator, elevator speech mm-hmm. for, for, for fighting. Cause like you, you have, you have to, you have to figure out how to like reaffirm that over and over again. Cause you can like see like, Oh, this guy just, lives on the beach every day and he makes ice cream out of coconuts and sells it in a <laughs> coconut shell. And, and you know, like I, like I, I, don't know, I could I do want, that. Yeah. It sounds sick. Right. Like mm-hmm. I, I went to Maui one time and like, there was literally this guy just living on like what looked like a commune in Maui with two real hot hippies and some cute dogs. And they just sold ice cream out of coconut bowls and it was good ice cream. I was like, this could be a life that I could have, you know what I mean? But also I, I wouldn't trade this shit. This is, this is like, See, it's like I know, my, at, I know myself well enough at this point. Like even after spending eight, nine months in the, like in the Amazon living in a hammock and that was really nice. cool. But there's, but there's like a part of me now that I know there's things that I like have to get out of my system. Yeah. yeah you know, exactly. so you have to find that balance of like what's too much so you're not overdoing it mm-hmm. and what's, you know, not enough to where again, you're going to wake up 10, 15 years and go, I'm not, I didn't do the things. Yeah. I'm not doing the things I want to do. Yeah. You you said you spent some time in in Japan. Oh, um, yeah. I'm, the longest I've ever been there was three months over a summer. Uh, I trained at a boxing gym over there, uh, Hironaka Boxing School Gym. Is the name school gym? Box, nice. Yes, school Excellent. gym. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's. It's owned by a uh, former WBC world champion, Akinobu Hironaka, I think. And, uh, uh, yeah, like a, they had a, they helped um, Higa Daigo, who was uh, also a, he's a, I don't know if he's a current WBC world champion, but he was when I was over there and he was getting ready to defend his title against this Mexican dude. Um, so he was training over there too, uh, uh, preparing. Uh, first fight and stuff so hmm. uh, him and gushken yoko another former world champion this this okinawan dude with the afro nice. it's awesome yeah he's has probably has one of the best afros in boxing history <laughs> he's a japanese uh, he's a okinawan guy other That's than baby cool. tiger smalls yeah he's up, he's up there too, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay there, there's a uh there's a post on was it that that one company art of Ringcraft mm-hmm. that makes all those cool shirts and stuff yeah hmm. but uh they had a, a like a a post where you vote for the best afro tiger was on there but really? so so was gush king nice. yeah so it's funny because he's like a not a comedian he's like a comedian slash like television personality in japan now because hmm. he's like a goofy looking dude with an afro but uh a lot of young kids these days don't know he used to be a bad motherfucker he was knocking knocking dudes out man He's he's cool. Check him out. Uh if you're into boxing and the lighter weight classes, Gushken Yoko. Gushken. Gushken, Gushken Yoko. Yeah. How do you do you know how to spell that? G U S H I K E N Gushken and then Yoko Y O K O. Okay. Yeah. He was cool. And an interesting thing that he said I remember was um he was always scared before all of his fights. So he would 
just like go in there and knock knock him out real quick he's like just terrified you know he's like i was so scared i just wanted the fight to be over so you just go over there and just knock him out real quick and done deal you know i feel so. like i heard some version of that from like mike tyson that he was but yeah. he wasn't scared like of the fight necessarily it seemed like he was scared like when i really dug into it he was scared to hurt people yeah oh wow really? he was that scared was to kill thing. people yeah he thought yeah. he was like i'm really gonna hurt this person yeah wow that's crazy yeah, yeah. so he's like, like fully opposite side of the spectrum yeah you know? <laughs> yeah it's a different mm. it's a different i feel like world. i'm more on the gosh gosh yoko <laughs> side yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. As much as I am really worried about like maiming somebody in, in the ring, that would be really horrible. I feel like, but you know, obviously I'm gonna gotta look after number one first. You know what I mean? I can't can't go out there worrying about some dude that's trying to kill me. You know? <laughs> yeah. You hear that about the? I mean, fighters like say they they turn on the switch right mm-hmm. as you get close to the fight, mm-hmm. and then you just have this mentality. Do you? And you? I mean, you guys? Did you have that? Jimmy, you're you're nodding your head yes. So you have it. I'm wondering, kind of curious about Leonard too. But did you have that? before fighting or is it something you learned through fighting say what what are we having the like the the killer mentality mm. yeah i always had it <laughs> yeah for sure hey, i remember um i was always like a lonely kid growing up and i didn't like really have a lot of friends and uh <laughs> and i'd read like these books on how to make friends and shit like that like how to win friends and influence people with book. dale carnegie and stuff <laughs> But I'd read that when I was like in the sixth grade or whatever. Cause I was like, all right, I need to learn how to like socialize and shit. But cause we moved around so much when I was a kid, you know, and then, um, Tennessee and Kentucky, you know, I was, I was like the only, the only Asian guy over there. So, you know, a little different, like, and everything. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I remember like thinking, I was like, man, if there was ever some sort of like, ba- yeah, you ever seen that movie Battle Royale? Mm-hmm. It's like a Japanese movie. It's, um, basically they take these, uh, classroom and um that's like they're going on a field trip they think they're going on a field trip and then um they like gas the bus and everyone falls asleep they wake up on an island and then like everybody gets like a a bag with like a random thing in it and that's like your weapon like it might be a gun it might be a frying pan or something like that anyways only one person gets to leave this island and i and then um so the whole movie is just like these classmates all like murdering each other and shit and i always remember thinking that i was like man if that ever happened, I feel like I'd be the one to like make it out, you know? And I'm like, I'm like in the, in like the sixth grade or something like that, thinking of these thoughts, I was like, I think I could kill everybody in this classroom. <laughs> like, I'd be really careful with those thoughts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Especially as the antisocial kid that doesn't yeah. have Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. Glad we're, you channeled that into fighting. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I still might walk out to uh, Pumped Up Kicks. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. but see uh it was it's like right after movie, the uh right after like the texas school shooting yeah. thing so i was like yeah no i think i was gonna be distasteful so yeah. i'm gonna yeah. do something else <laughs> yeah but no like I, I feel like i've always had that like and like i said it, when i was playing sports when i was playing football i would fight dudes that were like better football players than me but i and i knew they were better football players than me they're like bigger stronger faster like whatever better football iq but I kind of knew, I was like, mm, like, I think I could beat your ass. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I kind of had the, like, f- for some, like, unfounded or, like, unbased on nothing, like, confidence that, like, in a fight, like, things would be different. Like, you might be a better football player than me, but I think I could beat you in a fight. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah, I feel I like know, there's yeah. this intuitive thing. Like, uh, once I stop being so spazzy, 
you know, uh, training mm-hmm. and like learning a little more about the flow and stuff like that. Cause I, there are these things that, that pop out where, you know, like sweeping someone or you can feel the weight is just at a certain spot. Like, uh, if you go through learning, there's the, the different levels of learning are like unconscious competence, conscious competence, and yeah. then conscious uncompetence. Right. And then you kind of get into that. Okay. Like I know what I'm not supposed to be doing. And there's, mm-hmm. for me, what I've always loved about it is like even getting my ass kicked by you that day, like there's certain moments in the rounds, you know, before that or whenever, just like rolling that there are things that I somehow like recognize or feel like weight distribution at a certain spot that, uh, or a risk that I'm willing to take, like to, to slide under someone or like roll over something in a weird way that I find like fun and exciting, even though nobody's ever taught it to me. I don't know how, you know, it's there. It's just kind of there. And that's always, I don't know, that's been one of those things that you're talking about, just knowing I could whoop someone's ass. Like there's always been that little piece of me, like that, that slight amount of confidence in things that don't make sense yet, but I love it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That's always been a hard thing for me is, is, is finding a way to like have that confidence. That's why like I'm, I'm looking forward to building back the, the whole training schedule um, and, and kind of like regaining my confidence through like hard work, you know, cause I don't think I, I don't ever had that shit innately. You know what I mean? Like for, for me, like all the confidence that I've ever had in athletics has always come from hours of training, you know? And like, especially like with basketball and stuff, like I knew I was training more than everybody, hmm. you know, like, like from like my sophomore year to my senior year, which was when I was taking that sport most seriously, I would like even during, I played sports other seasons uh, for like the other seasons, but I, I would, um, I would do at least two hours of basketball on my own practicing. And then I would also watch basketball for a couple hours and like take notes and like follow particular players and stuff and like watch college and NBA and stuff. But like, I, I was like all, all the confidence that I had in that sport came from just doing more work, you know? And like that, that's like with, with MMA, like having like a real life and like having to like afford living down here in San Diego, I've never felt like I've been able to do enough work except for that one time when I was doing too much work, mm-hmm. you know? So, so like, yeah, so like all, all, all my confidence and all like my, like whatever killer instinct has always been based on like me. Well, it's, it's the work and then also receiving external validation. I never thought that I could get in a ring and beat people up until this guy said that I could hmm. like this guy and Manolo, like them, them being like, dude, you're a savage. Like you can, you can hurt people. Like, you can kill people with your fists and your feet. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, can I? Oh, cool. All right. Well, let's go do that. And then if I can actually like do it, like let's say I have a really good sparring round or like in, you know, my one MMA fight that I've won, you know, dominated the shit out of that guy. It's like, Oh yeah, I can do this people. You know, why don't I just do this? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it like, it takes, it takes more for me to get to that place um, like it takes, it takes work and it takes outside validation for me to get there. I, I actually think that's true for most people that are good at something, mm. by the way, because like on the other side, if you have confidence in a way that is unfounded, you know, if you go into a, a pro MMA fight and you haven't put in the work yeah, and you, I mean, that's just ego saying like, oh, I'm going to kick this guy's ass and then you get destroyed. Like, I mean, that's a very humbling experience, but also there's this level of overconfidence when I find people tend to get really negative most of the time not always but a lot of negativity comes from not taking action Hmm. it's like uh that old saying like uh idle hands are the tool of the devil or something Hmm. like that i mean you you want some leisure you want some time to do things but when you put in the work you can have that internal confidence and that's where maybe the what leonard's talking about like i can do this kind of like hopeful confidence Mm -hmm. meshes with the work and that's where you get the really really good stuff yeah 
Yeah, that's, that's all we're living together now. We're gonna we're gonna blend our blend our confidences. Nice work, you guys. I like <laughs> it. So what's what's exciting? What's next for you, Leonard? Mm, right now, um, I just ha- I'm just worried about healing up this eye. To be honest, so uh, who knows? I'm still doing like a bunch of follow ups on it and stuff. So it, it might be a couple months, you know, until I can uh, get hit or you know really do much. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's kind of kind of up in the air right now. Hopefully we can get get back to wrestling soon. Yeah, that's gonna be grappling. the big thing. Leonard and I are gonna become beast wrestlers this year. That's the that's like our okay. our, our our main like fighting goal. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm really tired of having fights that like don't look like I'm dominating. You know, mm. and if you can wrestle somebody, you just there's no question. You know, I was on top of you the whole time, beating you up and probably finishing you. That's 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 the most dominant way to win, I think. One of the tough things about the sport too is that you still have. I mean, you see it in every sport. You know, it's one of the reasons I stopped watching football and basketball. There was all the corruption with the referees, mm. and like I just, I mean, you know, from growing up in Washington, maybe I know our our age is a little different, but. I watched the Sonics lose over and over, and then I watched the Mariners, like all right before winning, you know, the big games. Yeah. Uh, and I just had all these like teams and all these losses. And then finally, I'm living in Sacramento. I'm like, all right, the King is great. <laughs> oh, no. And then all the stuff that went down with like the refs like gambling on yeah. it and like yeah. throwing the games. I was like, yeah. fuck these sports. Like, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm done with this. But yeah. in MMA, you still, I mean, you kind of wonder sometimes when you see a certain uh, score even that there was that one match uh on friday at cage warriors where i don't know if i was just distracted talking to the person next to me usually i'm pretty focused on the fight but it was that young guy from huntington or redondo or something versus a guy that was obviously more experienced and i had it scored you know the the more experienced guy looked like he won both of the first rounds yeah and the last round seemed super super close because the younger guy was like you know, got taken down and pounded on for the first couple of minutes of the last round. And yeah. had a really strong comeback. So I yeah. give him all the momentum. Yeah. But really only seemed like he won the last two and a half minutes of the entire fight and got the got the win. That's a really shitty thing about judging with MMA. I feel like you know, the Ro- recency bias. Yeah, Rogan always talks about having live round scores. Like, mm. like as soon as a round's over, judges have to post their scores. Yeah. I think shit like that would be really useful because like the momentum of, of having someone turn the tables in the last round is, is impactful, you know? And mm-hmm. like, if you haven't, like, let's say you're a judge and you like had it real close and then you see that it kind of, it lets you sway your opinion that way. You know, like actually, actually like how one does it a little bit better. They don't judge by rounds. So there are rounds, but they don't. It's, it's, they judge the full fight. So if you have one round that's like ludicrously dominant, you put on all this damage on this guy, you hold him down the entire time, and you're beating on him the whole time, and then the other two rounds are kind of like whatever you could probably give him to the other guy, you'll still win that fight because you caused the most damage in that one round that was impactful. Hmm. You know, I, I think of it as, uh, and I don't know if someone planted the seed in my head, but the thought's been there for a while. If you look at a fight, and it, I mean, it's not obviously fights and games, essentially everything needs a set of rules and boundaries. But if you look at it like if you were to compare it to real life and someone's dominating the last two and a half minutes or two minutes of a fight. Now, if you just imagine that continuing to go Mm -hmm. and you can clearly see one person is gassed and you can almost no longer continue and one person has the, the, you know, has it turned up. 
if you were to just extend that another five or 10 minutes, like you could say, okay, that person's going to, you know, murder the other person. So maybe they should get the W. It's the shitty part about the sport. I think is that they don't do stuff like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the, you t- you could take away a lot of the, the, the reality of fighting, mm. you know, by like having it set up this way. But in, at the end of the day, it's going to be a sport, you know, got to have rules yeah. of the game. Yeah. 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 You can do like, you could do like the original UFC where there's like no time and oh, the 12, 10 already. I think you guys uh, got to get going. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So we'll, yeah, we'll wrap probably. here. Do you want to throw out some, uh, like, Social shout outs. media handles, shout outs, whatever right. you want to do. Oh yeah, this I'm, I'm uh, Sam does things and stuff on uh, on Instagram. <laughs> I love that. Uh, be looking for more training videos and stuff coming up soon. I'm I'm stepping away from like most of the educational stuff that I used to do. I'm just gonna show people me kicking face now. Like it, yeah. Um, I'm at Leonard Period Oshiro, Leonard Oshiro on Instagram, and mm-hmm. I mostly post videos of me taking shots. But it's going to be him shooting shots and hitting people no, later. Whacking people. Do you, yeah. Did you teach swimming or something? Did you teach swim lessons? Do I remember that correctly? Uh, yeah, I used to in lifeguard. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. I'm like, I still need some swim lessons. So, no right. guess. Thanks for. Uh, I'm a terrible swimmer. I don't float very well. Yeah, I'm not good at it either. I've had two uh, instructors like uh, try to teach me. I've had three people try to teach me. Two of them actual professionals. The professionals within the first hour were like, "I don't think this is for you." Like one <laughs> That's person, hilarious. It's swimming. We're supposed to be able to swim. Yeah, and they're not supposed to give up on you. And I'm like trying, and they're yeah. like, "No, I just don't just think stop. it's for you." Yeah, yeah. I'm like just, no, but like floating. Just you know, buy a boat. And yeah, pool noodles. Basically, so it's rough. All right, guys. Well, I think we got to go because you got places to be. For but sure. Thanks for coming. Oh, Derek, it's been super fun. Thank you, man. Thank you, Derek. Absolutely. Thank you.